0: <laughs> that's so I, I say
1: was, <laughs> what's your <laughs> jellicle name
0: <laughs>
1: and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, that, and that and that and that thread was not resolved no by, uh, <laughs> by, uh, by <laughs> oh me mm. Which, is, which I suppose makes sense because that is the one of two cats with a normal name in the whole show and it's yeah. never addressed beyond that song. Wait, which is the other one? Augustus. Agu- Gus. Oh. Yeah, but Augustus is a normal name. It's not like Augusta-ly-boobly-doobly. augusta the doobly <laughs> um, We were talking about this. We, hi, everybody. Big damn cast. How you doing? Chris and Matt here. Hi. Um, we were talking hi. about um, uh, Lucy and I after we saw it yesterday. Uh, the thing in the thumbnail. Yeah. That uh, do our cats have three names, um, which apparently is your na- the name your humans give you, yeah. the name you give yourself, and an unknown name that only you understand. She's like, R- right. R- <laughs> <clears throat> and we realise that we call our cat Luna, Luna, Luna Boo, and recently we've been calling her Linyu.
0: That doesn't surprise me at all. Dolly's
1: Dolly, Dolly Bobs, and Dolly You. So, do they count, or because we gave them those names, are they all just the first name? Well, Talon is Talon, Dindins, and Mr. Cat. He is. There you go. Maybe Mr. Cat is his jellical name. Pepper is just Pepper. Pepper, Pepper, pop Pepper, Banana, fana po, Pepper.
0: Absolutely not. Ah, she's probably bouncing around somewhere now.
1: Ah, freak out!
0: She's going to take a shit in the bathroom because she's sat near the lit train she's scared. <gasps> That's true. She does that.
1: Tile floor, though, right?
0: Yeah. Tile floor. Yeah.
1: Heavenly Father, and the we worms gather have here come through now. this week to No more worms. Look at Pepper's worms. <laughs> uh, I am Chris Make the Jellical Choice Johnson.
0: Uh, I am Matthew the Heaviside, Leo Watson. And we're here this
1: week to shit in the litter tray. Uh that is cats.
0: Um it's right <clears> next to you, by the late way. Late to the party? Maybe it's but it's hooded, you'll have to take the thing off. <laughs> oh god, I can bend. I can contort. Not through the not you can't contort through the flap. You watch
1: me. So, um, we saw it a bit later than most because we had busy Christmases and also went to see better films over Christmas for the most part. But um, Yeah. We... Uh, <laughs> like I went to see Just uh, Mercy this week. That would have been a better use of your time. That's very good. Yeah. yeah. We nearly saw Jumanji yesterday afternoon after we'd seen Cats.
0: I've heard mixed things about Jumanji. Mm, mm,
1: me too, but I, I just... next level. I just want to spend time with Karen Gill and Dwayne Johnson and Jack Black. Give or take Kevin Hart, to be honest. Then again, it looks like he's actually playing against type in this by playing Danny Glover. <laughs> like, that's at least, like, a different delivery from him. Yeah. And watching The Rock pretend to be Danny DeVito for two hours was a, was a pretty enticing concept. But the reason we chose not to is because, A, it was Lou's day off and we had Normos famous for lunch. Because they're doing that thing Monday to Thursday during the day. It's 50% off all burgers. Yeah. So she just went in there and were like, right, we'll have two waters... Two of the same burger and some fries. You're talking 15 quid. Boom. Boom ting. Um, which is basically what I did. I was like, I'll have a water. I'll have a burger. um, I'll have some chicken with some barbecue dipping. You little shits. Yeah. Um, but after that, we were kind of feeling a bit full and whatnot. And also mentally exhausted. Because that morning, the first film of our
0: planned double bill was Cats 2019. Cats. The, the <clears> Tom. V, V1. V1. The Tom, the Tom Hooper directed adaptation of Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical smash based hmm. on the poems of T.S. Eliot, why the Old Possum's f- book? book of
1: Practical Cats.
0: Yeah, which...
1: Right, here's the thing. Let, let's lay our cards out on the table. We... Where's Old Possum? We... <laughs> where is, where is Old Possum? I don't know, but they did bring a character back from the book and put them in the film that wasn't in the show. Uh, Growl Tiger? Growl Tiger. Yeah. So the film, at least, was like right. Let's go back to the source material. What will the what will the ultra passionate fanboys of Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats want to see? I know. Let's bring in Growl Tiger.
0: Mm.
1: And yet, no Griddlebone. Still mentioned, not. No, Steve. I think the other cat on the badge <clears> is supposed to be Griddlebone. Really? Yeah. Oh, that ruins the a mystique for me. Griddlebones just a little lackey in a in a in, a, in, a, in for some reason yeah. it could like a, a train driver's hat because you got gruff the, the tiger. kind, not the not the kind that um Skimble, Shanks Skimble Shanks wears. wears. He's a um, railway cat, did you he's, know? He's he a railway, railway train. I, fuck, I, hate that I don't song. know if they
0: mentioned that. I hate that song. Mm, sorry,
1: my least favorite song because I I don't like cats. Um, the show. Uh, my I, my least favourite song from not it not like was At show. least an Earworm, and they ruined it being an Earworm in this and changed the arrangement in a way that was like, What have you done to this? Magical what? Mr. Mistopheles. No, no, that was recontextualised. Oh, okay. But Mungo um, Jerry <clears throat> and Rumble Teaser was completely yeah. changed, and it was like, Why? Because by the end of it, it was like, The rearrangement of this has served no purpose. No. It hasn't really. Other than, I guess, maybe whoever was putting the arrangements together this film was like, oh, that won't get on my tits. Can we change it? Yeah. <clears throat> upset. like, It's got that really... The- we are going to be uh, singing or muttering short extracts of songs here to make points. So uh, if, if you are, for some reason, the owner of this music, are hearing this podcast and are annoyed about that, hey, everybody, go and buy the soundtrack to either the 2019 film Cats or any previous cast recording. Yeah. There. There's our disclaimer. Don't get this one. Don't get this one. Um, or do or listen to it on Spotify
0: I mean there are some encourage re- them
1: to make a sequel <laughs> there are some good vocal performances but also not uh, but like the original uh, the original change to that is like mungo jerry and teaser they are notorious look cat. like it's got sort of a thing to it and by yeah. the end of it you're coming away going oh fuck I can't get mungo jerry and out of oh, my head just that line because yeah. it's just these over the top cockney accents usually and it's really annoying But in this, they're just like, Mongo Jerry and
0: Rumpelteaser. They are notorious cat-vogler cats. Rumpelteaser. Yeah. They keep skipping the T. It's weird. But they took all the E. I
1: wish I did before I watched this. So, uh, cards on the table. Cats is something I do not like, but I have a weird soft spot for. It exists in the nether realm. Um, I've seen it live on stage twice. That is where it should be watched. Because if you are going to see it, it's about watching the, like, the balletic performances, yeah. the choreography, uh, <clears throat> being there for the live orchestra. And watching performers essentially perform a musical review on the exact same unchanging set for the entirety of it mm. and never make a moment dull. Like, I don't like it, but I, mean, I, I, think it I, I am impressed by people who put it on.
0: I when, think it's It's impressive a showcase <laughs> of of dance and song as it is, mm. I think it is dull.
1: Well, part of that, and to correct me if I'm wrong, is probably due to the fact that the songs are, bar a couple, pretty weak source. Yeah. And that's down to the fact that Andrew Lloyd, I'm not sure how anyone else hasn't seen how much of a hack he is yet, Weber, um, just sort of took the poems from the T.S. Eliot book, added a few words here and there, turns like uh, bridges and rhyming couplets into choruses, and then just put him to music.
0: <clears throat> Which to be fair is how he writes all of his songs.
1: Yeah, and I'll never get I'll never understand the um, the, the the sort of the, the the absolute devotion a lot of people have to his oeuvre. Like he doesn't do I don't get it. People who normally listen to this for comic book stuff and movies are like, the yeah. fuck are they talking about? We'll get about? to it, don't worry. We'll get to it. We've got some stuff to talk about. <laughs> oh god, yeah. But like, Phantom of the Opera. Sure, not for me. But sure, whatever. It's
0: probably the best of his works.
1: I've seen it twice. I saw it when I was younger on. It must have been on tour or or part of something. And then about six years ago, I
0: saw it at uh, Her Majesty's. Mm. And that was like, yeah, this is impressive. Like, this theatre is decked for this. Do you know they're going to stop calling Her Majesty's Her Majesty's because it's stepping down from royal duties? (laughs) Now it's just going to be (laughs) theatre. In the West End.
1: They're behind on cats, but they're topical on Royal affairs. Hey! Um, <laughs> um, hey, do you know what, what I love about it is the backlash to all their stuff, as far as the emotional weight of their decision yeah. and, and them as human beings. Forget the money side of it all and everything for a while. Um, as far as the emotional human reaction is concerned, based on what people have said the moment they announced it, you can't <laughs> blame them for wanting to step away. No, it's you can't. really like... Look at how hate-filled all this is. Like the reaction to cats. Hey. Um, so, so I, you know, I, I saw it live twice when I was younger, and I was like, I'm impressed by the how this is done. Wait,
0: cats or phantom?
1: Cats, cats. cats. I'm impressed by how this is done, but like Starlight Express, like um, God, fucking Starlight Express, man. Yeah, like Joseph is also Andrew, isn't it? Yeah, Joseph
0: is mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> Yeah, like and, and like the soundtrack. Having listened to the soundtracks for like School of Rock and stuff, I'm like, I don't get why people think he's good. I really don't get it unless he works with an absolutely School bangin- of Rock isn't Lloyd like Webber, is it? The adaptation, yes. Fuck no. Yes. Oh, that's. I don't want to. Guess it. what the best songs are?
0: The once ones you already know from yeah, the, film. Yeah, the film.
1: So, <clears throat> like, it, unless he's working with an absolutely banging lyricist, it doesn't work. Um, I don't mind jesus christ there's something about jesus christ superstar that i'm like okay all right it's fine it's an explosion of camp and glam rock it is quite calm. telling the story of jesus which in itself is like it's kind of it's kind of ballsy that they're like yeah let's take this thing that people are going to be mad at us doing and just be like no fuck it it's a it's a, it's a <laughs> glam rock musical now do you know what i, mean? I kind of
0: like that i'm like fine, yeah sure um it does it does have his sort of the, the problem with Lord Rubber's songs is the repetition. He doesn't seem he doesn't vary with choruses enough. He just repeats the same thing. Oh, over Jesus. Look at something like "Masquerade" from Phantom, which is just the same thing over and over again, but a, in a higher pitch time. Yeah, a
1: good chorus, but by the seventeenth one in the song, you're like, right, are we going to do anything else? Can the guy in the red skull show up now? Please? Yeah, come on,
0: come on. They do it with the. <laughs> I mean, they do it with this and they do it with um, magical Mister Mustophili. Mister is is probably the worst offender.
1: Uh, Skimble Shanks does it a bit as well. Yeah. Um, jell- uh, just the fucking jellical, like the, the the introductory songs the ones that repeat the same shit over and over again yeah uh, but the difference it's is a lot Mr. Mistopheles, I can never be mad at that one because in both versions it always just feels like a really big triumphant fuck yeah look at this guy in the film because it was like oh, he seems nice I hope he does win and it's nice that they're all actually they've all been catty <laughs> hey. for the whole film to everyone And then in this bit, they all rally together to actually cheer him on. It's like this is nice. Oh god, cavity, Um, (laughs) inevitable. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. fucking hell, Idris, we'll get to you. Um, And then in the actual musical, it's just really cool because it's usually it's uh, the guy's uh, ballet dancer. Yeah. And the dance, there's the bit. uh, What's it called? Where you're spinning like crazy and your legs up here and you pirouette. He pirouettes um, in the version. All the versions I've seen, he pirouettes for like a good fucking nearly a minute. It's as part of the build up and it's like that's incredible like well done you does he rise, you magical cat
0: and turn into dust like <laughs> Skimble Shanks did in the film Jesus Christ that at least had
1: tap in it I was like okay there's a, there's a solid skill Problem that, being, the ca- that the camera can't cut away from because we have to see it but it keeps <laughs> cutting away from it but we can hear him at least it's like oh we can we hear, hear this dug every- in taps hey true no well no because it's Tom Hooper
0: because oh, like Lame
1: is, it's all live on set, and he doesn't record with a clip track, it's which like, makes it
0: a nightmare to
1: edit in sound. The
0: We've got this whole dance sequence on a railway track, and it's going to be really impressive, but we're going to keep cutting to a wide for no reason. <clears throat> like, fuck off! Just film the dancing. Oh, Tom Hooper, so, film the dancing. Uh,
1: and and I have the reason I have a soft spot for Cat. Weirdly, is because uh, my granddad, when I was younger, the 1998 film versions, so which was a taped especially taped version of the then Broadway production? I think, I think? it was a London production. Yeah, well, it probably... might have be been the Broadway production. Not well, no, sure. I
0: think it was London, because I think it was a line page in that, wasn't it?
1: Uh, I think it was possibly a reprise for the thing, well, what, regardless of where it was. I yeah. imagine it was a... It was a... <clears throat> Elaine is, is Grizabella. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same way that when Little Shop did that concert a couple of years ago in New York, where they just got a bunch of artists to kind of... It, it, it was kind of a rehearsed reading on stage but like mm-hmm. none of them were on book because they, they all were just like fuck it we're going to learn it and it was different people in it um, and they just got a super cast together so they'd got the most the most recent like big actor Broadway actor who'd expressed interest in being Seymour so they got Jake Gyllenhaal to be Seymour um, yeah. and and uh, oh my god they say they fucking expensive tickets
0: are for Sonny the Battle of George <clears throat> with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal where is it national in, in the West End it's not the National. Because uh, that seems to be the place at the minute where a lot of American co-productions are just going well, no, to it's, spend it's, their It's the, it, they brought the Broadway production it was in a few years ago over. Right. I'd love to
1: see that but I imagine it is. 250 quid ticket. That right. is bullshit and uh, I think theatres need to start doing more of the live screenings to cinemas because yeah. this is getting ridiculous now. Um, that is really bad. God damn it. Yeah. Anywho, um. Yeah, it is. So, uh, what is her name? Like the classic Audrey. She's the Audrey in the film version of Little Shop.
0: Um, Blondie McBlonderson. Blondie
1: McBlonderson. Uh, I don't fucking know. God, oh, fucking no! I will search her up and then I'll be really annoyed that I forgot her name. Why am I Ellen good? Green, Ellen Green, Ellen Green. So she's like sixty odd, and she replies the role of Audrey for that concert version. Yeah, yeah.
0: and you don't care because you're just
1: like you are the. Yeah, best did
0: it with the um, the concert version. of like, is the the Dan, Michael Ball doing um. Marius again and stuff. Oh, that is. I was. I thought you were going say
1: like like Javert or Valjean. I was like, that's not too distracting because Valjean no, no, and no. Javert age over the course of the story. No, no. But this was like the tenth <coughs> animation. we were massively after that. Okay. I can't
0: <laughs> work we're still. like Valjean,
1: but whereas you know. like a thirty-four-year-old Jake Gyllenhaal macking out with sixty-year-old Ellen Green, you don't find it weird because you're just going, no, she's the best fucking I version don't find of it this at all.
0: Find it kind of hot. Yeah. Uh-huh. Add the plant tentacles.
1: Hey, you've seen enough hentai to know where this is going. Well, maybe we got a stew going. <laughs> um, but the nineteen ninety eight tape version of Cat is um, it's really well done. It's one of the things that seven year old me watched and was like, oh, that looks fun. Well, it was
0: just, it was the stage production specially <laughs> restaged for filming.
1: So it it's there's no elaborate shots. There's no um changing of the set they don't film on location it's just in the theatre they on just the film set. The stage show and they have certain inserted shots that are clearly ones where they've had to obviously yeah, do them yeah. separately but apart from that you can imagine that it is like a, they've done it over a few days it's a multi-camera setup. they've gone through the show chronologically figured out everything done it and it's just it's really, it's really good it's like oh wow I can see the appeal of this show but it's because it's a taped version of the stage show There's no way to contextualise this. People have tried. In the early 90s, Amblin Entertainment was optioning it as an animated movie.
0: That was the very, very distant origins of this particular project.
1: I I didn't even realise that they were directly connected until the film started and the freaking Amblin logo came on. I was like, wait, Elliot, E.T., take me with you. Please. Take me with you over the moon. Fucking hell. Animated, I think it could work because at least animated... The strive for quote-unquote realism wouldn't hold them back, and it would be different colour palettes, and each sequence well, would be more elaborate. This
0: is my thinking on, on And they'd also be the right proportions. Well, well, this is my thinking on Cats and Tom Hooper, and why it was a poor choice. <laughs> to give Tom Hooper money to again. To give Tom Hooper the money again. Um, <laughs> Regardless of the project. Yeah, just, just don't stop making films. So, Cats as a stage show relies on a layer of abstraction that is inherent to all stage productions. That you know you are sitting in a theatre watching people dressed as cats pretend to be cats. Now, there is a certain layer of abstraction inherent to film, but your subconscious kind of has a lot of it stripped away because you know you're watching a film, but because of the way films are presented, your brain interprets them differently. And so... There's no layer of abstraction. So what you then do is you get a director who has no concept of the idea of abstraction and is the most literal motherfucker in the world to then do it. It, it, it has no detachment. There's no uh, fucking Brechtian alienation that's inherent to like the idea of a musical on stage. It's just we're trying to make these people look as much like cats as possible, but they don't quite look like cats and they don't quite look human. And we're just going to literally interpret everything that, instead of putting it behind this layer of metaphor. We're just going to literally do everything that they literally say because I'm Tom Hooper and I've got no fucking imagination <coughs> or style. Or I mean, I can I competently direct a film and put it into an order? Y- yes. But can I make it interesting? Not this one.
1: Which Oscar did he get for *King's Speech*? Was it Best Film best or Best director? director? How? That film rides on its central two performances. <clears throat> and even then, I'm not like a *King's Speech* fan. I
0: saw it once and went, "Sure, it's fine. It's fine." Sure. Um, but it's the it's the tenth best movie of that year, not the best. <laughs> like of the list of ten, it is the weakest. Oh, the the telling that category. Yeah,
1: Jesus. And yet, and yet. Now, what do you think of 2012's Lame is?
0: His last musical. i have not seen it. I've I've avoided it because nearly everyone I know who's seen it has said it's shit. We own it, and I think we own it because for, for the, the sh- same it's, reason. It's show
1: that Lou. Re- well, no, it's a show that Lou really loves, and the film adaptation. We were like, all right. It's sort of like Cats in, in terms of... It's so there are There are like a handful of people who got it, like knew what type of version they were in. Yeah. And nail it. And as a result, you're like, okay, they're really good. Okay, they're really good. Like, Jackman is really good throughout it. Well,
0: Jackman is a musical theater guy. <laughs> he knows what he's doing anyway. So he,
1: he's, he's found that happy middle ground between, right, this is a film. Mm. So I know what sensibilities to bring from the stage. To this, and where to pull back, and where to experiment. Um, uh, the Tenardiers, uh, Sacha Baron Cohen and Helena Bottom Carter, mm. because it had to be played by triple-barreled name people. Um, <laughs> they're brilliant. Like Master of the House, it's like fuck. This is perfect casting for an adaptation of this. These two are great in this. Yeah. Um, you know uh, Hathaway. Obviously everyone always quotes it, but like honestly, like that seeing that performance, it's like, no, this is really fucking good. Well, well done. It tries
0: to do the, exactly the same thing with Memory in this, in Cats. Yes. And I'm not sure it works.
1: Well, there's a few songs in this where you could tell A Beautiful Ghost, especially the new one, uh, Memory. And uh, I can't remember, there was another one where they, they sort of, they lingered and it was a lot of those just close shots like Les Mis does where it's just like, and this one is the same. It was without a click track. They were singing it live. Um, which, of course, is a nightmare to edit because then you've got to try and edit your, your orchestral score into it, but you've not got any mapped tracks to work to. It's freaking weird. Uh, he's, he's a weird man. Like, I'm going to do a musical, but like I want it to be like you're really there, so they're going to sing live on set. Cool. You do realise the reason they don't do that for musicals, Tom, is because it's impossible to edit as a film. And also, you want to sell a soundtrack as well, right? Well, from a business perspective. So you want those to be... The best versions of the songs they can be. You might not get that on set on the day.
0: Because no, as much as they're
1: will. performing... Like, Jennifer Hudson goes for and it.
0: Jennifer Hudson is a constant professional.
1: Um, who comes out the least... Because we'll get into the film now, because fuck me. Yeah, yeah. Who comes out the least, least unscathed? Because I think it's a toss-up between... Ian Fran- McKellen. Francesca Haywood as Victoria, <laughs> the main one. Francesca Haywood as Victoria, the main one. Because as a performer, she does the most work with like three lines of dialogue and you can tell exactly what she's feeling in every scene.
0: I've seen a lot of people shit on her for being a bad actress because she's not an actress. I disagree. She's a... She's a I, I, I also disagree. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 she's a. She's the principal... Uh, the Royal Ballet I think mm. but, and, um, and she's
1: acting her, the, her socks off in there yeah I think she's, um, I think she's good in with nothing to go off yeah. of. like, it's yeah, all yeah. in her face and it's all in her reaction.
0: which is why you get a dancer to do that because they're used to a, a different kind of performance a sort of physical performance to... yeah.
1: and she's our window character yeah, you yeah. want us to, to feel for her yeah. so you, you cast like see so you cast somebody who works in that world of, of conveying everything through their movements yeah. and she, she absolutely does and then right up next to her is McKellen because McKellen as Gus the Theatre Cat. A, um, it's impressive because it's the only song sequence in the whole film where it just lets it breathe. Like, there's yeah. maybe... It, it jumps back and forth between cuts way too often, but it's just him on the stage yeah. singing that song, and it cuts between him, a wide, reactions. Him, a wide, reactions. And you absolutely so he, could... He gets to just act it out.
0: You absolutely could go, like full on visual with that when he's describing his like stage exploits and stuff mm. and you could you could put those sort of fantasies in the background but they don't um, they leave it to him to deliver and also which uh, is, the, is the one case where I think Tom Hooper's <clears throat> literal um, bias like his, his predisposition to just be completely literal with everything in the mm. world ever is to the benefit of the film. Yeah, because that um, allows
1: McKellen to just carry that sequence as he would if he were cast in that part on stage. Yeah. Um, the other reason that sequence works really well and McKellen comes out on skate is because you can tell he knows full fucking well what type of movie he's in. Oh yeah, like the first you time you see seen that. Like, he has clocked. It's, exactly. It's that moment where you... How where this is going to turn out.
0: He first appears, he just, he just goes meow <laughs> and then turns round. meow 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 it's only when you see it, it's
1: only when you see him again he's going meow meow I was like oh he's doing a vocal warm up yeah I love it oh that's brilliant I love, brilliant. It. I love and then, it and then when he's licking out the bowl and then uh, Mistopheles comes in and he sort of acts like he's been caught having a swig of something yeah before going on stage and it's like Ian knows full well what film
0: he's in it's almost like he's a fucking um, seasoned <laughs> professional actor or something well not all seasoned professional actors in this come out Unscathed. Oh God! Poor Judy.
1: Hey, you know how you were going to be in the original production, but you broke your ankle shortly. Yeah, she was going to was be it, Grisabella. Was it into rehearsals, or was it just before it started? It was
0: before it started because Elaine page was um, a last minute. Replacement. Ah, but
1: blimey! Well, yeah, good for everybody, really. I suppose uh, yeah. not for Judy's ankle at the time, but um, <laughs> but like you know, it's, you were going to be in the original production, you weren't. We'd love you to be in the film. And not only that, we're going to we're going to um, gender flip Deuteronomy. Um, because ultimately it doesn't matter I remember there being a mini kickoff about that early last year mm-hmm. I was like why have the two Deuteronomy 6 like does it you matter guess. although it means they've changed one line I'm a bit miffed they changed the line in uh, Monkey, Monkey Straps like last sort of significant song is singing yep. about old Deuteronomy's old Deuteronomy arrives yeah and which line... a wonderful melody but then gets
0: overused <laughs> to fuck throughout well they the just whole thing. keep singing the yeah, chorus yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh fuck um,
1: and uh, they keep uh, singing that bit and over and over again you're like, we get it, she's here, she's fucking here, can we yeah. go inside the Egyptian please?
0: Um, <laughs> she's not a
1: sex act yet. Uh, so uh, he says uh, the original lyric, if I remember correctly, is Old Deuteronomy's uh, uh, something something uh, Old Deuteronomy's had many wives though I'm tempted to say ninety-nine. And it's sort of in the thing it's like a little eh, okay. he's got around, hasn't he? Um, and Deuteronomy usually in the staging gives him sort of a look like ooh, quiet you. Yeah. And then this they change it to Old Deuteronomy's lived many lives before I am tempted to say 99. And I'm like why can't this Deuteronomy have not had wives? Why can't this Deuteronomy have had wives? Give her wives.
0: I do like the idea of them having lived many lives though.
1: Exactly. I mean that's is more it, mystical. I, I think that is still a nice... <laughs> but could she have got her end away at least 99 times? Well, Come on. one would hope. <laughs> One would uh, she loves the pussy Sheesh. so we got that one out of the way what time is it 26 minutes in okay
0: um, <laughs> McKellen
1: comes away the least unscathed and also McKellen is one of the few examples in this film of the Uncanny Valley not distracting you throughout I think they did appearance. less
0: work on him than they did on a few of the others he looks
1: more costumed yeah and that's because, like you said, the, the disconnect on stage. When you look stage, you, you suspend your disbelief. You understand
0: like, that it's somewhere in the costume. Yeah. It's a costume. It's a sort of un, unspoken contract between the audience and the performers. <clears> like, you understand that this yeah. is not real. But part of that as well is down
1: to there being no, no element of the costume that is illusion. There's no element of the costume that's there to, make you go, to, to take you out of it going, oh, how are they doing that? Yeah. There's no moment like that. Whereas this film is full of it. Because everyone has flat heads at the side. Yeah.
0: They have elongated foreheads and bigger heads, some the, of them. The two cats that are wearing trainers that seem to float above the floor. Oh, Jesus. Which makes their dance moves so much less impressive. Why do some wear shoes? Because they have to for the dance routine. Why do some wear clothes? Yes. Well, why do some
1: the ones that take wear clothes? off their skins and have clothes underneath? Mm, the, the ones that wear heavier sets of clothes are the least weird looking. Because... Until they took the clothes off. Well, it's <laughs> yeah. so like McKellen, but it's also the tuft at the side of the face. Yeah, tufts yeah. at the side of the face. The human brain goes, "Oh, there's where the that's, that's where, where the ears are." are yeah. there is in there. So McKellen, tufts. Judy Dench in the trailers was like she doesn't look too disarming because of big collar and tufts. Yeah. And then I saw her side profile in the film, mm. and she looks like the alien.
0: Yeah, it's really it's weird. Odd. It's really um, odd.
1: McCavity for the most of the film doesn't look weird because of the hat and coat and everything well then
0: he takes it off <clears throat> Jesus, and he, he just looks it like off. naked Idris Elba smoothed off right so let's go th- for those who don't know of it
1: let's let's, let's go through semi chronologically and talk about this shit so okay. Victoria is a cat who's abandoned by her owner by the way the stage version doesn't have a plot it's just no 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 a bunch of cats gather uh, and at the end of the night Deuteronomy the eldest cat is going to select one to basically be reborn and have a new life it's sort of like a, a loose adaptation of "Oh, cats have nine lives," and tonight one is going to be picked to move on to their next life, um, and that's it. And in the musical, we're in, we're introduced to the the cats by Monkey Strap, who's the grey and black one who tends to sing the majority of the the narrative or, or premise at the beginning. Um, he's like our he's our narrator it's the tabby cat
0: you will love seeing in like all the posters for the show and stuff yeah he's
1: in this thumbnail looking creepy Um yeah. so there's that uh, so you've got him then cats just introduce themselves or yeah. other cats sing about cats and introduce the cats cats then, are introduced to new yeah. songs Deuteronomy rocks up we're introduced to more cats you become aware that during it there's a cat on the outskirts who keeps cackling and freaking people out and you later learn that's Macavity, who's a sinister cat, who no one likes and everyone's afraid of. You also uh, are introduced to a, like a, a scraggly, worn cat called Grizabella, who has obviously done something to piss everyone off because no one likes her. She used to be a glamour cat, and they all hate her now. And by the end of it, Macavity randomly kidnaps Deuteronomy, and then a magical cat brings Deuteronomy back. That's it for development. And then Grizabella sings her song in full, And Deuteronomy's like, it's you. Like, we've all judged you too harshly. You are going to move on to the other side and become a new cat. Um, And that's it. Like, there's no plot. It's just songs and showcases with two running things in it. That's it. The film gives us Victoria, played by Francesca Haywood, who is a... uh, a, a, She's an abandoned cat. Like, the film opens with a car in this... Heavily implied, definitely 1910, 1920 yeah. London. Yeah, with implied. loads of neon um, <clears throat> being thrown and a milk bar that's made of neon lights. Um, <coughs> which wouldn't be weird So it was a musical. i yeah, But I'm the film hanging strives my so, head, by the way. The film strives so much to be like, no, but look how grim, gr- gr- grim and gritty and realistic these environments are. So she's thrown out of a bag. A bag is thrown out of a speeding car. I think
0: she's implied to be like some sort of abandoned kitten.
1: Yeah. Yeah. With um, She's a very young cat. With a uh, freaking synth blaring. Oh yeah, this
0: is very synth arrangements, man.
1: Because it's like the original arrangement, and you get the feeling it's probably a lot rubber going. No, this is the music people fell in love with in the eighties, and we are going to bring it to them. They've <laughs> waited for this movie. They fucking haven't done. Yeah,
0: it was fucking bitter, Sarah Brayman,
1: don't you? And yet, if, and yet, if the whole f- reading to that guys, it's amazing. <laughs> and yet, if the whole film was like synth heavy, it would at least have a style that it's going. Do you know what? We're going to do this. And instead, it's just like two tracks, and it's really distracting. Um, So she's abandoned, a bunch of cats gather around her, and they're like, hey, you're right, motherfucker. We're jellical cats. What are you? We're jellical cats. Is that ever explained? No. No. Do they think they've explained it? Yes. In both versions of this? Yes.
0: Jellical cats are basically. It's supposed to be corrupt because jellical cats and pollicle dogs, and it's supposed to be. Corruptions of something, but I can't remember what the corruptions of <laughs> the people who paid
1: money to see it furries. So, little
0: dogs is <clears throat> poor little dogs. I can't what if any of our listeners and you can do this. If it was one of our listeners who told me this. but
1: if any of our listeners are um, uh, in the furry culture in a sexual way, if you guys are literally in the furry culture via the prism of fetish. Get in touch with us. We won't say who you are. Oh, Jellicle... I just want to know if this film did it for you. Jellicle is a production
0: because... of dear little cats.
1: Okay. Uh, cool. And um, what's Pollicle Dogs? Uh, Pollicle Dogs. Oh. Um, I'm basically I, I'm soliciting uh, any of our listeners who have a furry fetish to tell us whether or not this film actually did anything for them or not. Because I think it would probably be too distracting. It did something for me. Um make me be angry that's just me soliciting to, to any of our listeners who have a sexual attraction to Sonic characters original Dark Steel you're just um,
0: reaching out for friends aren't you pretty much <laughs> sex
1: friends Um, <laughs> <speaking> um <speaking> sex friends so <laughs> oh friends sex friends, yeah, sex friends. so <laughs> oh, fucking hell uh, so they, they show up and they're like right we're Jellicle cats fuck you Basically. And then they're like, what are we doing? Oh, we're glad you didn't ask. Tonight, <laughs> tonight is the Jellicoe Ball, which happens once a year when we gather under the Jellical Moon and our Jellical leader, Old Deuteronomy, is going to rock up and decide who moves on to the next life. So it's like, all right, yeah. so far, so same as the stage show. Yeah. But then dialogue starts. Yeah. And the dialogue happens briefly in this. It's always in little pockets. It's never on for long.
0: The little, little linking
1: dialogue. <laughs> Um, because well, it's not realistic if they're always just singing.
0: Yeah, Thanks, says God. the man who directed Les Miserable*.
1: Well, he added bits of dialogue Did to he? that as well. Oh,
0: fuck off, Tom Hooper. Yeah,
1: not a lot, but again, just bridging bits. It's yeah, it's like fuck off, Tom. Fuck off, you melted James Cameron wannabe. <laughs> God, he does look like a melted James. He does. Cameron. <laughs> like, like, like you've lit a wick on his head because the forehead's kind of dribbled first, and then the rest of his he's face like, has followed. He's like a Brexit-supporting James Cameron.
0: Does he support Brexit? I don't fucking know, but he looks like somebody who does. Because I, I would, <laughs> like,
1: I would like to move to Europe to avoid cats again. Please, it looks like
0: Tim Martin <laughs> crossed with fucking uh, James Cameron.
1: Oh god,
0: James Cameron, but if he owned Weatherspoons. <gasps> oh god! Oh dear. Um, um so, <laughs> uh, Yeah,
1: so so they do that, uh, but then dialogue bit. starts, and you realise that that. All the cats are sort of bullying Victorians into being like, you, you've got to be one of us. You've got to pick a name and all this shit, which never gets resolved.
0: Nope. Um, but no, they never sort do of... give her a name, do they? No. Ah. No.
1: And even at the end, it's like, you now have your jellicle name. It's like, she's not saying it to her. She's saying it to the audience. But it's like, but she doesn't know. She doesn't. She doesn't. She doesn't know. She doesn't. And I suppose, I suppose they, they soften that because Judy Dench later on is like, she's like, but I'm not, a, I'm not a jellicle cat. And she's like, maybe not, not yet. So yeah. it's like I, maybe she's implying that you will become one of us eventually, but right now we're welcoming you because I'm nice, Whatever. But uh, this is where this, they make it clear that the, the film is trying to give a realistic reason for the songs, despite the fact that we've already had like two and a half. And the reason it gives, despite the
0: fact that no one cares,
1: is there'll be cat, there are certain amount of cats that'll be appealing to be the chosen, the, get the jellicle choice. To go up to the Heaviside Lair and be reborn. Vaguely defined. It's basically a cult. Um, and they're going to perform a song to show who they are. So you're like... Right, so Tom Hooper's just tried to contextualise yeah. the other songs,
0: despite us already having seen several songs. The problem being that three mm-hmm. of them perform it before Old Deuteronomy appears. Yes. Namely, Jenny Any Knotts, um, um Rum Tum Tugger... And Buster for Jones. Yeah, well, it's
1: never it's never said whether or not Rumtum Tugger's actually is actually applying, uh, yeah, I Um
0: because he
1: doesn't get kidnapped. But Jenny Anidots <clears> is Jesus. And let's get to, Jones. Let's is. get to fucking Jenny Anidots, shall we? So this is the first like character who gets a song to themselves. I have Anidots. a Gumby
0: cat in mind.
1: Oh, what's a Gumby cat film?
0: Not going to explain. No, don't know what Gumby cat is. Hmm. Okay. Her name is Jenny Anidots.
1: Yeah, she's uh, she's got tiger stripes and leopard spots. Although she clearly just has tiger stripes. Uh, well, that happens several times in this film. McCavity's a ginger cat. Yeah, he's a ginger cat. He's a ginger cat. But his skin is the same tone as Idris Elba's.
0: Like you could make you know, Idris Elba look ginger, or put ginger if you wanted patches to. in the Yeah, film. like you could do it.
1: Give him ginger stripes, make it like a reverse tiger.
0: Yeah, that would have been a good look.
1: You know, but he's got sunken eyes, does he? No, really doesn't. No, really does not have sunken eyes. He's, he's, he's skeletal. Is he? No! He's pretty fucking buff. <laughs> we uh, know because he looks naked.
0: Gus says he's skeletal. We can believe it. He's wearing a big f-
1: fucking coat. We can't yeah. see.
0: And also, Ooh. he's Ian McAllen, he who's a slender man. Not the slender man. He's a slender Have you found man of the Ed Pedges.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've come to take you into the forest. Um, I've come <laughs> to take you away. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. <laughs> 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 can we get Charlie on the phone? Uh, <laughs> So uh, Jenny Anidots is the first cat who has... Now, in the stage one, she is tiger stripes and leopard spots. It's usually like a really sharp orange and scraggly black patterns all over it. And she's usually played by a... Like a more kind of middle-aged actor sort of her yeah. as a bit more of a fussy. I think I think gumby Cat's
0: supposed to be like a, a lazy house cat, <laughs> lazy, tired, middle-aged house cat. And what's funny about Jenny Anadol, you say, that is She's, she's is, not really.
1: She's she's a lazy house cat by day, ah. but by night. But by night, she's like, oh fucking, this house is a state. I'm gonna I'm gonna sort it out. I'm gonna make the mice do shit. She's I'm a gonna gumby make them the Showgirl. She's gonna make the Beetles do stuff. The beetles but this film introduces beetles and cockroaches we only ever see the cockroaches but no, I think I they've think done the that beetles are supposed to be the cockroaches <clears throat> well I think well they say cockroaches before you see them and yeah. I was like I'm sure they don't say that they might in the original but I had a feeling that the reason that they gave us both options is so American viewers will be like what's a beetle yeah, I no, no. thought they were the scouts man I'm not saying that's all Americans I'm saying that's what Tom Hooper thinks cockroaches Americans. are a kind of beetle, so that although in this they look like sense. enemies from the tick Fucking hell, yeah. They look like villains from Power Rangers. They look
0: awful. And then she (laughs) eats them for no reason.
1: Rebel Wilson, who can sing, plays Jenny Anadots and shows us that sometimes she can't sing. She's fine, but like her approach to the tune is odd. It's like either they didn't her approach to the tune. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's she treats it more like a spoken kind of thing with a bit of a jazzy kind of. <laughs> next <laughs> time I'm next time I'm
0: I'm with someone who is who's like butchering a song. I'm just gonna go. Your approach to the tune was odd.
1: No, but like when when you when you when you cast somebody in like a film, your or relationship it, with
0: the key of this song was.
1: Interesting. Wait, when you cast when do film or do stunt casting you can you can play with the key of the song a bit do this and the other find the comfortable medium that basically showcases them the best and then develop the arrangement from there um, where because you know they, they, when you do film they basically go oh let's cast that person right now how do we make them work in this song nine times out of ten that's how they've done it that's how Sweeney Todd was done it? that's why it's fucking awful <clears throat> whereas on stage of course it's no this is the fucking book yeah you audition to do this. Yeah, we get you in, and maybe, maybe during rehearsals, the director or the musical director will go, "Do you know what? With you, can we try something?" And yeah. they might play with it a little. But the book is gospel. That is how it works. In this, it sounds like the book has been gospel for the most part. But Rebel Wilson can't sing Jenny Anodarts because she doesn't have that kind of older, more fuddy duddy voice. And because she doesn't have, like, a fastidious British voice, she can't play the character the way it's normally played. Mm. So she's going for it with her normal kind of, like, full-range pelting thingy, and it's like, this doesn't work. This is really bad. But it's not the most egregious thing in the sequence. So Jenny Anidot's in this. At night, what she makes the mice and cockroaches do, apparently, is full-on shows. Like,
0: vaudeville
1: and tap routines... Across tables in a line, where she barks at them to smile,
0: and then, eats the cockroaches. and then eats
1: the cockroaches. There are several bits in this where people interact with the mice or the mice interact with the other cats, and the reaction, like the relationship, is like this really pleasant, like sort of oh hi, kind yeah. Of thing. But then one of them gets. Rum Tucker comes in and like sort of says oh, that wasn't very good then looks at the mice and says actually the mice were really good the mice go like thank you he gives him a look and well, say like hey i got your back hey then later in his song two minutes later he's threatening to eat one yeah later on this they appear nice. under Mistopheles' hat and they all go like oh hi Mistoffelees we're such big fans you're like what? what? and then one of them falls off panics it's going to be eaten and runs away while the other two get put back under the hat and disappear it's like wait What is their relationship with the mice? The mice, by the way, which are grossly out of proportion. Yeah. As is everything. Oh, God, that keeps changing. As is everything. The the cats are roughly anywhere between a foot and two foot tall. Yeah. They keep fluctuating. The same cats fluctuate from scene to scene. But the mice are smaller than the hands of the cats. And yet the mouse trap that Jenny Anidot comedically traps her hand in... Is for a mouse at least ten times the size of the mice.
0: That's the least of your problems. No, it, but I
1: isn't think. that weird? But the mice are right near it in yeah, the shot. Yeah, yeah, they're not in the trailer, if I recall. In the trailer, there's no mice there. It's like a window ledge. Yeah, but in the finished film, it's it's a cupboard under the sink. I'd be interested to see how um, much of this was actually set. Oh god! Oh, quite a bit square. of it, apparently. Because here's the thing with this: Do you remember the Granada Studios tour? Well, you'd have like you were in that room. It was a massive room. Yeah, were, it was like a, it was meant to be like a dollhouse set. Yeah, and yeah. the part of it, a cat lifts up the
0: ceiling, and <laughs> <a good>. And <laughs> it's like,
1: oh, this is kind of spooky for a studio tour. But the idea was, hey, look, sets can be anything. This set is huge, and it makes you feel small. And it's, I think it was a nod to the the then movie adaptation from the mid nineties of The Borrowers. I think that's what it. They, I think probably the
0: earlier TV series version. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, absolutely, but I remember them referencing that to me when I was there. Because I was oh, like, okay, oh yeah, yeah, we got that film.
0: Well, I would have went earlier than you did
1: where um you were there that morning did you do the exciting green screen sequence where they green screened you into a cori scene no they had a green screen and the use that they make of it is they green screen one of I, the tourists I, into a scene from coronation i Street. went
0: so long ago i can barely remember
1: it it's Every, everywhere else is like oh like dr experience oh my god let's put you hanging on to the edge of the tardis oh my god let's put you in the middle of granada studios tour
0: do you want to be in Cory? Say these three lines. No, I don't. No, you're in a scene. Actually, I wouldn't mind if they wanted to pay me. Um, <laughs> same. hi, guys, if, you, yeah. if you're listening. Well, let's move um, this along. Let's move this along. Let's so, keep it motoring. We're going to be so, here all day at this rate.
1: So, like, yeah, a lot of it was real sets. What the reason being is because they said they wanted to give actors the perspective. Yeah. So somewhere someone has fumbled the scale completely. Maybe it's the set designers. Maybe it's Tom Hooper saying, "No, make that bigger. Make that bigger." Because I think it would be interesting if they do that. Like in this very same scene, Jenny Anidots is. Small enough to be, like, curled up on the edge of a chair, but then she's tall enough for her head to nearly be touching the underside of the kitchen table. When she stands on the kitchen counter, the bread is tiny compared to her, yet she's apparently a cat. So the bread should be about the same size as her, if not just a bit smaller. I, you've definitely given this more thought than anyone involved in it. I was sat there and Lucy kept my hand and saying why is the bread small 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 why is the bread, <laughs> is the bread so fucking small it was like she's. <laughs> why I mean, she's, is the
0: bread small because it's one
1: of those where like the moment you notice the scaling you're like oh god yeah
0: and you can't stop Looking for it, it's let's, weird. Let's get off Jenny Dots. Jenny Dots. is way more to talk about. She
1: peels her skin off and reveals a costume. Yeah,
0: um that, that happens.
1: That so happens. she gets kidnapped by Macavity, who we've met by now. but not Play. yet. She doesn't get kidnapped yet. Yeah. Not yet. It's, it's during the next song. She's she during uh, Rum Tum Tugger. Yeah, because oh, uh, it it's but, during Jones. Rum Tum Tugger. It's because uh, they're all dancing and the start the other, and she's distracted over the other side of the. I think it's a oh, no, Jones. you're right, yeah, because she, she makes a fat joke about Buster Jones yeah. that actually contextualises why he wants a new life. Because they try to give these cats a reason. Yeah. Jenny Anidots is, is like, living it cushy. She's sleeping all day and conducting shows think, at night. I think she wants to be shows all the time. Well, no, like, the reason she gives is that she's bored of it. Oh, okay. And then the reason that the film implies from what McCavity says to her and she reacts to as though that's right is that she should have her name in lights because he's just like you should be on all the posters and then she looks at the posters and it's all the Macavity wanted posters yeah and she's like oh no and then he fucking says um Macavity and, and then magic's her away yeah Andrew Elba teleports in
0: this movie teleports but leaves dust behind
1: and every time he teleports he just says a word yeah it's in a way where it's like is that how he does it I mean even at the end we go. So. even at the end where he's like inevitable. Meow! you're like, the fuck is happening right I now? D- I
0: don't know. I don't know.
1: Oh my God. I don't know. So in yeah, so we, we get... And he plays him as kind of suave and charming. Yeah. Because McCavity's song has always been sung by other cats, usually uh, Bombo Lurino. You know? in this. He's Taylor And Swift, yeah. someone else, usually, in the show uh, as well. One, one, of, one, the one of the other female cats, from the chorus who are not in. named in
0: the film, so I can't remember the names. Yeah, well,
1: in this, they just give her, like, four others who randomly sing toward the yeah. end of it. Um, and McCavity is basically, he's a criminal cat, and he's evil. And there's a bit of mystique about it. Some of the girls are like, yeah, he's kind of sexy, like it's he's hot and mysterious. Others are like, oh, he's despicable, he's horrible, he's. I shit. know he and cheats
0: that. at cards. Yeah, what a bastard! <laughs>
1: um, and in this, Idris Elba's at least. Idris Elba seems like he's having fun in this. Yeah. like he's going. I'm going to be a baddie, and I'm a cat. It's
0: not good. But His physicality
1: doesn't make any sense. No, no. Um, and and he looks cool until he takes the coat off in, in the final act, and then it looks weird. But he stills um, Jenny and his away. Uh, okay. But between that, we get Rumtum Tuggers' song. Yeah, Rumtum Tuggers, played by Jason Derulo, who I'm going to say it did a pretty fucking He's taken good job. Taking it a job. bit
0: too seriously, probably. I, but I kind of like yeah, he that he bought into it. He did buy. He did buy into it. He, he really. Into
1: it. Yeah, but like in a way, we sort of go. Do you know what? Kudos to you, man. Fair, fair play. You, to you. leapt into this because Rumtum Tuggers a fan favorite amongst like cat fans. I don't know why because he's, he's got the most distinct costume in the show usually he's the one who looks the most like just like a rock act like I he was a rapper a...
0: for a little bit and then they changed that back
1: oh yeah recently i think they've kept the design though they've kept like the cap and the no, i think it was in the, the mid best. to late like 90s it was
0: earlier than we think it was i think
1: no recently there's some pics from like one because oh, the, there's uh, there's a version from last year that was i can't remember what it was one of the theaters outside london that's an outside theater yeah uh, where they they, um, they they simplified the designs a bit more, so they were more interpretive. So you still had the cat makeup and kind of the headdresses, mm. but it was less like Lycra and more kind of costumes that alluded to who they were and what their attitude and character was like. It's so like Rum Tum Tug is a bit more like baseball cap, dreadlocks, like a bit more of a vest. In a way, we looked at it and you go, as far as a redesign goes, that's pretty cool. It still fits in with the character. Because the way everyone thinks the Rum Tum Tugger is and the way the performer always performs it is that he's a sex god he's the coolest motherfucker there isn't he great? Mm. Then you listen to the lyrics of his song and the lyrics of his song are basically he's a fussy fucker he's isn't he? He's a fussy he? fucker. That's his character. If you if you offer him cream he wants milk if you offer him milk he wants cream. Mm. If you offer him pheasant he'd rather have a grouse. He's always on the wrong side of every door. <laughs> he's a cunt basically. And if you give him food he might like it, but he'll always prefers something he thought got by himself. And you're like, right, okay, sure. Rum Tum Tugger. Uh, Rum Tum Tugger is just, it, I think the reason it's a fan favourite is because it's the first song in the stage show where suddenly some energy's injected oh, into yeah, it. Oh this yeah, is, this is fun. Because everything's either been faux mysterious or, oh, isn't this wacky? <laughs> isn't this... And then suddenly this guy comes in with guitar licks.
0: Yeah. And it's like, oh shit, okay. Wacky action. And
1: whoever plays them again, the 1998 VHS version... They fucking go for yeah, it, yeah. and it usually ends. And I'm kind of sad it didn't end with this, uh, but they did. A, they have a weird anti crotch thing in this film. It usually ends yeah. with, on that last note. It's like, and there ain't doing anything about. Wow, wow, wow! It's like a thing, and usually this female cat's like sat there just watching his dick. And then, <laughs> then it, and the, on the last about, he like thrusts and one of them faints, and then that's the about it and that's how the song ends in this they do that but instead it's Jason Derulo doing like freaking vocal tricks and everything yeah, yeah. and again really nice like he's his Cockney accent is not as offensive as people said it was no, I, no. When I heard it I was like no he's doing alright here yeah he's actually. doing okay this isn't Hellboy 2019 um, it's worse no it's not Hellboy is worse than Cats if I, if I had to pick Hellboy is worse than Cats because that, at least I have Laugh at Cats that is
0: cat. supposed to be Irish though
1: <laughs> which one?
0: Alice or the yeah, Tiger Alice. Guy
1: because both of them were not meant to sound as bad as well, they yeah. did. I was supposed to be Irish. And, oh, God. Do you want some marmite or a cup of tea? <laughs> we got uh, a, bit of, a, bit of, uh, a bit of cup of tea in the drawer for you. It's like, what the fuck
0: are you doing? Yeah, all right.
1: Um, all right. Uh, at the end, they said he used vocal tricks and that's it. And I was like, oh, I kind of wanted the egregious thrust, but then I remembered all the stories of them, and you can see it in Adrasalabras particularly. They smoothed out every male. Oh, yeah. Completely. yeah, yeah. Um, and Jason Derulo made a whole stink about like with well, a guard of mine and they had to do extra hard because I've got a big cock <laughs> it's like oh okay funny joke whatever like the same joke was made uh, by uh, funny haha who was it in the 90s someone had something like that where they joked for ages about like, oh they've really had to like CGI my cock down no it wasn't the 90s it's the Superman thing in the 70s and oh, in the 2000s right, right, yeah, yeah. they had to find ways to make Chris Reeves and Brandon Routh smooth less as possible. Bulgy. yeah um, which is really bloody weird. And Willem Dafoe as well for the Green Goblin, apparently. <laughs> so Willem Dafoe, they had to develop, design a cup to flatten him. <laughs> because he was uncomfortable in the costume. Because I he, he, he was. was packed in there. So they were yeah. like, right, we have to find a way to pack you in in a comfortable way.
0: Willem Dafoe. Looking forward to seeing the lighthouse. Sorry. I was going to say, do, he calls, Dafoe. do you know
1: he calls his dick?
0: The lighthouse. The lighthouse. I hate you so much. Let's talk and about... If, and if you
1: don't swallow... He asks you.
0: Let's talk about For Jones. Why'd you
1: spill your beans? Um, for Jones, played by James Corden.
0: I fucking hate James Corden.
1: Yes. Not the worst performance in the film, but indicative of one of the worst traits of modern Hollywood. Because both James Corden and Rebel Wilson have several cutaways mid-song. Yeah. Rebel Wilson, in one case, with a male someone giving them a feed line who's not in shot, and you can't see who she's looking at. Mm. And it's a wide. And you're like... What's happening? Who's she talking to? Mm. Uh, the two of them were clearly just told, You're funny.
0: Let's have some improv from you guys. Let's stop the song dead so you can do a joke with a fucking seesaw. And they're all cat jokes. They're all way, apart yeah. from that seesaw one, they're all cat puns.
1: In a way where you're like, <coughs>
0: this, isn't <coughs> a, this isn't as. <coughs> <coughs> hairball. Uh, <coughs> this isn't as funny as you think it Sorry. is.
1: Sorry. There See what I did there? Yeah, I, I turned you did, it that. You, did a, you did a
0: cat's joke. Into a cat pun. Yeah, so. The less said about Buster for Jones the better, like, he's... In
1: costume, less weird. As soon as he strips off, really fucking weird. Here's why cats would have been better it's a tuxedo
0: animated. cat who wears a tuxedo.
1: If it had to be made, it had to be made animated. Do you know why? In hand-drawn animation, you can make leftover scraps of food in a bin look delicious, as oh, the characters God, are talking yeah, about it Because yeah, yeah. it's all bright and vibrant. Nah, it's not good.
0: Because they've gone
1: for realism in this... It just looks like he's wading through shit. <clears throat> it's disgusting. Buster Jones, in case you're wondering, is a fat cat. That's it. He's posh
0: and he dines at all the best clubs. Kn- yeah, well, all the bins. Yeah, the bins he knows the best where clubs. all the
1: best food is because he's he's like he's this raconteur and, and connoisseur and twatosaurus. It- and um, James Corden has been cast probably not because he actually has theatrical background. He'll have been cast because he's a big guy. That's yeah. why he's been cast in the song. And Buster Jones like is incredibly reason. proud of his incredibly proud of his size. Yes, he loves his size. Rebel Wilson as Jenny Anadott throws in a line that I was actually thankful for because it was like, yeah, why is Buster Jones? Because even even like as soon as the premise began, I was like, why would Buster Jones want to be different? Yeah. And then she's like, he wants to be reborn so he can get fat all over again. And you're like, oh, okay. That's a valid enough reason for him <laughs> to want to be reborn, despite the fact that he's apparently like healthy enough to survive at the size he well, is. Well, yes. Fair enough. Um, but then the seesaw moment happens where a cat tries to make him leap up and it doesn't work. And he says, you know I'm sensitive about my size.
0: Despite the fact that he's just <laughs> playing You're this whole song going about how I love being is. big and round because yeah. I'm happy.
1: Like It's a body positive song and then he's like,
0: the fuck yep. is this? Nope, <laughs> nope.
1: He gets tricked by McCavity.
0: He gets after off. he
1: spits some bones in Victoria's face. <sighs> which is disgusting and fucking weird.
0: Um, let's, let's skip along. Let's skip along to the next big song. Grisabella, we get a bit of memories. Oh, Grisabella turns up, you get a bit of memories. It's like, oh, that's Jennifer Hudson. Doing looks, all the acting. She's seen better days.
1: Yeah, uh, put it this way. Jennifer Hudson, um, we appreciate all the acting. But you must have known... That all anyone was going to focus on in her two scenes was her tears and snot. Tears and snot, because they're so obvious. Yeah, yeah. And it's like she's got them because she's doing all the acting. Do you think Tom Hooper's got a tears and snot fetish? Yeah, it's quite a bit in lame is. Yeah.
0: Uh, you think he's got the same foot fetish, the same fetish that Tarantino, Tarantino has, has for feet? Not well. well for there's, a, snot there's, a, there's a very brief
1: foot moment in this where I was like. V- v- Rimsum is like going for Victoria's foot you're like is he gonna nibble it is it like a playful thing is he gonna use her leg as a microphone but they cut away and then they just cut back to him turning away so you're like what was that It then? was.
0: it was too horny it was too horny this film was unintentionally horny As the because ne- the next <clears throat> big bit when after OG2 Army arrives yeah. and you get they're all in the Ugh. Egyptian and they start dancing <laughs> very horny mm. very lots of rubbing oh that was fucking strange lots of rubbing and the fact that when right it ends around, they just lay there
1: going oh <sighs> Huh. And again, and it makes fucking... sense because I think I think the uh, uh, is more the, the knackered because of how intense the dance just was. But it but comes across. We never big see the dance because no. he always cuts away. During that bit was when the two body popping ones reappeared, the floaty train yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, And I was like, right, at least we're <laughs> going to get train. at least we're going to get to watch them doing a dance. Like I'm looking forward to this because here's the thing as well: the original cat's choreography has been really pretty much the same since its inception in the
0: 80s. Yeah, it's, it's choreography is legendary.
1: Yeah, it, it tweaks and whatnot based on the, the setting in the theatre and. the, theater and the that and the other, but it's been exactly the same. But it's as much a dance
0: show as it is a song show. Yeah. It?
1: For this, they threw it out, and the new choreographer—it's the person who choreographed Hamilton. I would love to have seen their work. But it just keeps going, and go, yeah, Tom keeps editing around it. Like Les Mis, at least that didn't happen because Les Mis doesn't have dancing in it. Like it's its you know it—it's as more and it's as much an opera as it is a musical. It's yeah, yeah. You know, so so you don't lose any of that in Lay Misses editing, but in this, he never stays the fuck still. So you never see these dances. No. So when they are lying down
0: knackered at the end, it's like, I can only assume it's because they've all just come. Which is which is the biggest problem with Shanks. Because his dancing is fabulous. The guy playing Shanks mm. is incredible. We'll, we'll, we'll get to him in full, because that sequence needs to be. Well, that, there's nothing else to get to, really, apart from... Uh, uh, the, uh, big...
1: the theatre is that before Skimble Shanks? That's before Skimble Shanks. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. the first cat to present himself. Skimble. And that is what we've, we've already really talked about There is, is McKellen yeah. is static and it just cuts between him, a wide shot of him, and reactions, including Judy Dench giving him I'm going to fuck you eyes." Yeah, she has a leg up at one point. <clears> she it? does. And her wedding ring on her hand. <laughs> if you are watching the initial cut. Yeah. Um, which I was. Uh, he, yeah, she just roundly raises a leg and it may be like, did Judy Dench actually do that or did they digitally
0: add that happening? Yeah, they got a body double to do that. I don't that know. Besides a flexible, flexible damn is.
1: leg. Yeah. Um, Maybe she's yeah. quite flexible, I don't know. Yeah. But um she's like, no, fuck it. I didn't get my chance back in the 80s uh, for this show. I'm gonna fucking toss my legs I know, around. I
0: know that Judy Dench's sight is unfortunately failing her. Oh blaster. But I actually she may still be quite flexible, I don't know. Where? Um Gus the Theatre Cat song's great.
1: Because it's just a spoken word song. Well, McKellen I mean, acts the fuck out. He talks about how great it is. Like, it's, Fire it's, it's the of the Frog. It's just... Ian it McKellon. hits that low really nicely. Yeah. What was nice about this is, little callback to the OG, uh, that song is usually really upsetting and has this almost suicidal... Um, I think there was a melancholy to it, to it in this. There is a melancholy, but not as egregiously as Cause in the is, show. Because he is
0: asking to die.
1: Because in the show... Well, in the show it feels more like... Yeah. I'm about to fucking go... Whether you give me another chance or not, I've, I've, and it's usually also yeah. played by a very old actor. Some productions double up. As it up, is in this, like, some productions double up and use one of the one of the chorus playing the role and playing old. Yeah, but it's usually played by a very old actor who comes out, does that song, and then they're done. They might they might be in the ending
0: as part yeah. of the final gathering. This is a, this kind of a done. reminder that Ian McKellen is in his fucking eighties.
1: But the difference like, is, you watch him in interviews and shit, and you go, "Yeah, he's not done yet. Oh, he's no. really not done yet." He's in the. Pr- he's almost in the prime of his life now, in terms of his energy and everything, and the amount of projects he still takes on, and the amount of fun he clearly has. You'd like to think, and the amount know. of fucking he's probably doing.
0: What well, can I? Um, boy fucks, butt
1: fucks, boy fucks, boy folks and butt folks. Um, Fireful fiddle. The, the fiend, fiend of the The Fiend of your butthole. You know. Uh, him, you know, Ian McKellen is getting it on the reg. Oh, he must absolutely be. is. Must be. Um and. His his is the best performance in the film because he's the least he's the least visually distracting. It's delivered really well. There is that real life parallel, like you say, of well, he's an actor in his in his elder years. Like, is is this sort of is the casting deliberate to kind of ape that? Um, and also his inflections are funny. Like he's actually yes. kind of going for it. No, no, um, no, no, but no. but the melancholy softened a bit by the end of this one because when he's leaving, he's like. Yeah, I've still got it. And all. Like, he, feels, he feels delighted. Yes. But also, that's not the end of him, because he gets kidnapped too. We haven't touched on him yet. Uh, Growl Tiger, who's the, uh, oh, the, yeah. the terror the of the Thames. Ray Winston. <laughs>
0: yeah. I was not expecting to see in this.
1: Which was... A, so that's from the poem. So Growl Tiger isn't in the original show. No, no. But he's in the book. And um, he's the terror of the Thames. Yeah. And his poem does rely on you... Being a bit absurdist and that rhy- rhy- rhyming Thames with like something that's Ames, I can't remember what the word is. But yeah, and, and so obviously in this he sings Thames and a thingy, and, and then Buster Jones, Buster around, Jones, yeah. improvs some shit about him. We're saying you can't do that and whatnot, and you're like, is this you guys shitting on the poetry book? Do you have no joy, Tom Hooper? Is that why you've tried to make this fantastical musical realistic and gritty? What no, they going just on? tried
0: to get him to make a joke and it didn't work. Fucking hell. But Ray Winston is unrecognisable. Yeah, <clears throat> as many as he
1: has a character voice. Put it that way, you can see why it's not a full song. Yeah, um, but all the same, it's like I'm glad he rocked up, got a paycheck for dicking about on a boat set for probably two days, and then went <laughs> on. So yeah, uh, McCavity's kidnapping the people who are going to sing or in the case of Ghost, one who's already sung
0: and he's putting him on a badge so that he can be attempts. the
1: only logical choice because apparently McCavity's mission in the film is to be the jellical choice he wants a new life do they establish why? no nope not ever he seems to have it sweet he's wanted like maybe set up the idea that he's like if I have a new life I can do it all over again and no one will suspect a thing but no they never set it up he just wants a new life and he's like Saturday morning cartoon villain determined I want it because I'm the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's really... Like, he literally, at one point, he's like, I'll get that, this, that, and the other. And you're like, the fuck? So, Gus Thicke, la la la. Um, Oh, we didn't didn't talk about Beautiful Ghosts. After Memory, Victoria performs this very brief song called Beautiful Ghosts, which is the film's oscar bait song because it's an original song written by Andrew Lloyd Webber and Taylor Swift, and Boy Can You Tell, because it is structured so much better than the other lyrics. But...
0: It repeats the chorus multiple times by the end, and that's what we need to say about beautiful ghosts. Um, know, and, and they 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 never put it up for nomination. Nope. they they they, they withdrew all their for uh, <clears> your consideration. I think that one could have made it.
1: It could have made it. It's not. It's, it sticks out like a sore thumb. It's like
0: two verses. <laughs> and that. also, Francesca Hay. Big. I think this
1: is where the criticism of Francesca Hay comes from. She's singing it in very like RP, you know. You know, they're very pronounced, yeah. like hitting all the T's. She's a posh cat, and it doesn't—it sticks out a bit weird. And it's because it's been written for an American inflection. Because when you hear it in the credits, sung by Taylor Swift, oh okay, it sounds right. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet, Taylor Swift clearly knew that there'd be accents at play because when she rocks up, she's doing a the, radio, yeah. She's doing a Cockney accent Um quite a good one as well. I'm quite impressed. Yeah, it did work. Like, she, it's, you, you listen, you go, man, yeah, fair enough.
0: Fair yeah. to um So we get Skimbleshanks. And next, if I remember correctly, yeah, and big dance sequence. Uh, the guy who plays Skimbleshanks. Okay. His design's cool. His design's cool. And Although Lucy kept saying he looked like a stripper. He does look a bit like a stripper. He does, <clears throat> probably because of his um,
1: tight ass.
0: Uh, Stephen McRae. Mm. Um, well done, Stephen McRae. Just fucking. Your
1: dancing and delivery are pretty great. The set piece gets unnecessarily weird. Yeah. Because we suddenly vanish from the theatre and we're on the railway line on presumably like what eventually becomes Charing Cross Bridge. Yeah. Um, and then we're in a train carriage and the proportions are fucked again. And it would be really impressive Because in it, one shot they're as tall as the couch in the carriage, but in another shot they're nowhere near as tall
0: as the handle of the door. It would be impressive if it was a dance <laughs> sequence that was moving between sets. Yeah, that kept focusing on the dance. But that's the thing that they keep cutting away
1: from it and and, and reestablishing, them, yeah. reestablishing them. like like in Jenny Anadot sequence does that a lot. At one yeah. point she's singing into a tail, then her tail comes up behind her and she drops the tail like it's string. You're like, but that was her tail and her other tail's there. Yeah, and they don't make a thing. And then she'll be in one place and suddenly she's on the mantelpiece, and you're like, right, you pick one. Right? You, yeah, either, yeah. you add, for, for musical adaptations, you pick one. You either have them move in real time through your settings. Recent example: Gaston in the Beauty and the Beast remake. Real time through the settings. Yeah. Or you jump the fuck around. Um, uh, recent example: uh, Bear Necessities Jungle Book remake. Yeah. Like it, they're over here. Another over here. Another in the river, and it's jumping around. It's like, a montage. Yeah. Basically. You, you pick one, and this film can't pick them. And changes up during songs. And yeah. it's really fucking weird. But yeah, Skimble Shanks is odd. Uh the, you know the shot where it cuts the wide shot of the bridge and they're all really tiny and they're all dancing along the railway track. Mm. Lucy just let over to me and went, Yeah, that's not as epic as they think it is. No, looks. it's not. It's, it's like not. not. <laughs> it would have
0: been better if they just kept on the dancing. The feet the it, feet are doing some very impressive things. It was a shit version of the Akuna Matata
1: Moon Yeah. <clears throat> oh no, sorry, no, that was the shit version of that was in Lion in twenty nineteen. And then Skimble
0: Shanks turns to dust. After pirouetting and into the
1: sky. Which, which from McCavity's song, we can assume is from McCavity. Yes. Because he's powers of levitation, which are listed in the song and shit. Because then Bomb Ballerina rocks up, which and is Taylor Swift.
0: Drugs everyone with catnip.
1: Drugs everyone with catnip? To what end? Because it doesn't do anything it, in the it end. It knocks them all out so they can't stop yeah, it knocks them them all out snatching for... Deuteronomy. But that's not his plan. His plan is to just there be like right come on send me up to the episode later come on.
0: Yeah, and then, so then he snatches you. Yeah one. but
1: by that point they're all awake and watching because they all react.
0: Yeah. And yeah. also
1: where does he magic a giant staircase to heaven from?
0: Where, where does he where does he magic his coat and hat to?
1: If he's this powerful why does he want to be reborn? I don't know. It's so stupid. So in the show McCavity scares everybody off. McCavity's only ever really seen in the show a couple times like through uh, like red little pies and lurking in the set and some Productions briefly have a fight, a choreographed fight between him and uh, Monkey Strap after his song. Yeah. After he kidnaps Deuteronomy. And Monkey Strap gets injured. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but that's it. And yeah, it's red eyes in the show, but the thing lists his eyes as green. Or were they listed as red in the show? I can't remember. Point is, two groupies, one being Bumble Arena, saying, Yeah, this guy's mysterious and he's kind of fit and isn't this cool? Isn't he sexy? I want to fuck him, but I'm also terrified he'll kill me. Like, that's basically <laughs> the McCavity is a banger. That song is a banger. It slaps. It th- that song slaps. Like okay. Come on, out of out, okay. out of all the songs in the thing, that is the one where you kind of like, okay, because it's got that ba 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 That big band energy. It's like, yeah. yeah, this is great. It's usually sung all femme fatale kind of like. It's this got is really cool. A certain
0: raunch to it. Yeah,
1: Taylor Swift does a really good job of it. She mm. does a really good job of it. Mm. <nuanced round> <fluteyears> Considering she's doing it solo, with just a bit of backup, and then McCavity appears and joins in toward the end. Um, Why is she wearing... um, Why is she wearing fucking... What are they called now? Stilettos? No, no, the the, the stage ones, because they're the ones with the flat heel. Dress shoes. Why is she wearing dress
0: shoes? Why not? But why? Good fucking Skimbleshanks is wearing tap shoes. Yeah, but he taps. Fucking Jenny Anydots is wearing a fucking showgirl costume, suit. and then a flesh suit over it. And then, apparently, another one over
1: that, because that's how she escapes from the barge. Fucking hell. In, 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 in a visual that wasn't obvious that she was escaping, because she's in like out of focus in the background. You're like, how does that work, then? So fucking stupid. Uh, <laughs> she sings about Maccabi. It's, it's really impressive. The editing is the only thing that lets it down as a scene, because it's all over the fucking place. The editing place. lets this whole
0: film down. It's, it is all over the place.
1: But... I can understand now why Taylor Swift is the one who's in like all the post, all the press posts at the time. Why she was heavy in the trailer? She's in one four minute sequence.
0: Yeah,
1: but it's like no. That as, as far as a number goes, that's one of the that's, better it's numbers. It's a shows in the film. Number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> good on her. Well done. Um, McCavity doesn't get taken to the heavy side layer because Giudicelli's like, no, your your soul is broken. You don't have. A soul. I think she says you don't have a soul.
0: You're a prick.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> I would love she she just around and went no nah fuck fuck you, you. <laughs> um, we've not talked about Judy Dench yet she does a good
0: job we have talked about Judy Dench no
1: but like as a performance
0: she does a good job Judy Dench what do you want
1: she does a good job her design is horrible um, uh, if you're watching the movie look out for her wedding ring because it'll tell you which version of the film you're watching yeah I don't um, think they fixed all the mistakes even in the oh, end. version are guarantee they won't have done so we it. might have got the
0: <clears throat> patched version and not known it jeez that's worrying isn't it <laughs>
1: um, so then he teleports her away to the barge and he's like, right, I'm gonna fucking here's your last chance. And Taylor Swift's there for that scene as well, briefly. She's just sort of like being his mole. Yeah. But she looks kind of worried. She's like, Oh god, this has gone way out of hand. Well, because after Where is Mongo Jerry ripple tease? We didn't even talk about them. Fuckers. Yeah, oh. they they're apparently They help out and then they they're like, We just thought it was a bit of fun. And you're like Huh? Okay. Yeah, Mungo Jerry and Rumpelteaser, really quick. There's a sequence where Victoria goes into a house because these cat burglars... We spent way too long talking about cats,
0: Chris. We've got to move on. It's
1: the cats episode. Uh. They, they, take, they, they take her into the house and they ruffle stuff up and they basically sing about how, like, we always fuck around with stuff and then the owners are like, oh, I bet it was Mungo Jerry. Or they're like, oh, I bet it was Teaser And the novelty is... There's two of us, and isn't that fun that and it, that we never, never both us. get the blame? Bye. But that's
0: also one of the sequences where you get some of the most egregious scale errors. Jesus, because they're messing around with the, knife and, on the, bed, the like, knife and fork is like the, the knife and
1: fork is bigger than her. Yeah. She's wearing a human ring on her wrist like a bracelet, and yet she's wearing a watch like a collar. I um... I just yeah yeah. Fucking hell, that sequence. Um, but also that sequence gives us a, a glimmer of hope for something nightmare fuely that we never get. Because a dog tries to get into the room. Yeah, and I'm like, the dog. right, we've seen cockroaches, we've seen mice, these are fucked up. What's the fucking dog going to look like? we see a dog. We, never see dog. we never see the dog. we never see the dog. we never see the dog. The dog chases a bone that to the dog would be about maybe the size of its paw, if that. Yeah, but dogs are like bones. Like <clears throat> fucking hell. Pollicle dogs like bones. Pollicle dogs. Um, so Mungo Jerry and Rumpelteaser are the only kind of like interesting designs fur wise as well yeah. they actually have like shades and they've got and more patches. going on I don't know yeah. if it's necessarily interesting <clears throat> if you've given them tufts at the side of their head they would basically would just be oh these guys look like they came from the show yeah um, but yeah their accents were hard to play so was one of them and the other one Irish they're both Irish right? it's weird yeah it is because it's too soft in the mix also the sound mix was terrible sound mix somewhere. was awful yeah yeah
0: can't um, hear what's going on. So
1: they kidnap Jeronomy and he's like, Right, you're gonna walk the fucking plank and you'll die or you'll send me to the heavy side. Lane. It's like, well, none of you are gonna get what you want then, Yeah, get. no, no one's gonna get what you want. And then she starts walking a plank plank. And then a seven minute sequence begins in real time elsewhere,
0: and you're like, I thought you were meant to be realistic, Tom. Yeah. After you, your cats teleport to a boat. And it's magical Mr. Mustafa's <laughs> trying to uh, get his confidence mm. up so he can bring Deuteronomy back now this back. is this is recontextualized because in the original show Deuteronomy's kidnapped and everyone's like oh fuck
1: and then Rum Tum Tugger is like hey I know a cat who's the shit and mm. introduces Mr. Mistopheles. and everyone sees how amazing Mr. Mistoffelees and some magic tricks and pyros happen on stage and then usually based on the set design there's like the back end of a car and he like, does a magic thing, and they open up the boot, and Deuteronomy emerges from the boot. Yeah. And it's like, yay! You've teleported Deuteronomy back to us. Deuteronomy saved. And it's like, yay. In this, uh, Mistopheles is throughout it. The actor does a pretty good job of making him quite endearing, with little lines. He yeah. seems quite sweet and likeable. And a little bit useless. Every now and again, he tries to be like, hey, hey! And he fucks up, and you're like, oh. So in the film, it's recontextualised that he... Uh, Victoria's like, no, you can save the day. We have a magic cat.
0: Yeah, because Victoria's got a wide on for him.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, to be fair, they've all got wide ons for all. Of them. Well, one fair. point yeah. I thought Victoria. I thought at one point I thought Mustafli's um, and Deuteronomy were gonna snog.
0: Yeah, um, that was.
1: Mm. And instead, they just sort of rub noses, and you're like, oh, it's a cat thing, but they're also humans, so this yeah, is weird. Deuteronomy fucks if, everyone. If their noses were just simply just made up to look like cat noses. It, that would be enough yeah. of a separate a visual distinction. Yeah. That I'd be like, yeah, fine. They're people playing cats. Instead, it's the cats with people faces. Um, like, fucking, what we do at The Shadows. Um, so <laughs> Is it Keeks who put that gif up just after you guys had seen it? Yeah. It was like, fucking, too right. Um, <laughs> so, in this, they recontextualise it that he's singing the song about himself. To boost his confidence. And it's played really well. And again, it's one of those where once the chorus kicks in, it's catchy as hell, and then it outstays its welcome very quickly because they keep singing it. Also, thanks to Judy Dench, who reappears behind them because apparently the spell works, I finally actually, for the first time in my 28, nearly 29 years on this earth, realized what the statement is in the chorus. Because it's, oh well, I never. Was there ever a cat so clever as Magical Miss Sophies It's two sentences. Oh, yeah. well, oh, well, I never. Was there ever a cat so clever? Whereas for years, I've just heard it as, Oh, well, I never was there ever. Because that's how it's sung. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, what the fuck does that mean? What does it mean? And then she says, Oh, well, I never was there ever. And I was like, oh, shit, it's two sentences. Thank you, Dame Judy, for bringing some actual Thank addiction you. to this shit.
0: Yay.
1: <laughs> and she reappears and they're all happy and isn't this great and then Victoria goes outside reprises beautiful ghosts brings in Grisabella and is like look this is about giving people second chances you've all been horrible bitches to her for no fucking reason mm. here her out and then Jennifer Hudson earns her paycheck and sings the one song that's the reason this show has actually survived for 30 odd years let's be brutally honest (laughs) because it is again in and out of context memories are really like wow that is some some powerful shit when it's sung by the right person that's pretty great and the lyrics have got some really good stuff in it and it's like yeah cool Um, she acts the shit out of it it's just a shame I'm distracted by her face floating about an inch above her head yeah it's a tight Mm -hmm. close up but the CGI's patchy to say the least And I feel like by the end they don't... In the original show, she finally sings it and they all kind of realise they've been cunts. And they all come over and they all rub up against her and hug her and, like... It feels like they're all finally accepting her. Whereas in this, they all kind of do that? And then they back the fuck away? Yeah. And then Deuteronomy's like, it's you. You, You're going to get the chance to be reborn. Puts her in the chandelier. (laughs) (laughs) Which turns out to be a hot air balloon of magic. And she flies up into the sky.
0: For those you can't see, I've got Jeez. my head in my hands.
1: In the thing where it's like up, 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 past the Russell Hotel, up, 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 up to, to the, the Heavy Side Lair. And Webber the kicks in, and they repeat that fifteen just times, keep then it going. changes up, 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 past the Jellical Moon, up, 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 up to the Heavy Side Lair. But in the original show, it's kind of weird because when they say Russell Hotel, you're suddenly taken out of a bit. Like, what the fuck does that mean? And then you just assume, oh right, it's whatever the nearest tall building is in the show. Cool, whatever. But then of course the film has to be literal. Literal. So every time it mentions the Egyptian and they're outside, you see the Egyptian. Egyptian. Every time they mention the milk bar, sorry, the milk bar, they show you the milk bar. The big big sign saying cream and all this stuff. Cream. So they say Russell Hotel. They're singing about the Russell Hotel for about two fucking minutes. Those same two lines. Yeah. And then they change it to Jellicle Moon. And then she leaves the, the Egyptian in the hot air balloon. And what's the first thing you say? Big fucking neon sign. Russell! Why? <coughs> Why, Tom? And then she flies from the sky. And McCarthy's on top of the building. And he decides that he's going to go to the heavyside layer no matter what. So he doesn't teleport into the balloon. He leaps up and grabs the random thread dangling from it. Can't get purchase on it. No, although that was a nice detail, his little fucking tail, like whilst he's desperately trying to get his tail, he even tries to grab it, yeah, and it doesn't quite <laughs> work. like, okay, whoever's made the t- whoever's had the tails in this for the the twenty percent of the film where they're creepy, yeah, the other eighty percent, you've done a pretty good job at making them look like an organic part of the performers' bodies. Well done, furries. Again, email him, let us know if he did it for you. So uh, he falls, lands on the top of Nelson's Column in Trafalgar Square. Who were? It's daytime now, so we're seeing them all in full lighting.
0: Yeah, it's dawn.
1: He tries to teleport and can't. And then he ends on like a fist shaking at the balloon. Oh, get you. Cat who I won't be able to get because she'll be dead soon. Yeah. And it's like, what is this? Cats too. Why? I fucking dare you. Universal, you fucking cowards. (laughs) Make Make it. Cats too. Make it. Give us the love never dies of the cat's world. No, please don't. <laughs> do you know where that's on? Nowhere, because it's shit.
0: Um, <laughs> I was genuinely curious for a second there.
1: I think that, I think there is a I? dual production of it in the world somewhere right now where like they, they, Harry, they, Potter, say, they yeah. Harry Potter Cursed Child at two theatres are working in tandem. And they do it as like a double ticket thing. So you can... You watch one one night and you watch one the next night.
0: Fuck mm. me sideways, man.
1: Sequels to musicals, they shouldn't be a thing. Even Grease 2 got beaten up, stripped for parts, oh. and rewritten to become Cool Rider, because someone went, no, there's a good musical in here somewhere, let's just not make it Grease 2. Grease
0: 2's bad, man. Yeah.
1: Whereas Cool Rider, I've listened to the soundtrack for Cool Rider on Spotify, it, it's like, on its own, this works
0: so much yeah, Grease 2's got some decent songs in it, but as, mm. as, a, as a thing, it is bad. Mm.
1: Are there yeah. many sequels to musicals?
0: Um, Probably not. Grease um, 2, Love Never Dies. And that's about it.
1: Jesus Christ, 20, 29, 2099. Jesus. What? He comes back in the year 2099 to exact vengeance. Jesus Christ, Supernova. <laughs> ah! I would watch that. Um, <laughs> Jesus. So, Christ, superstar. Um, he's left up there, presumably to starve and die. Or maybe when it turns night, he can teleport again. They don't explain it. You just can't teleport now for some reason. Yeah. It's just fucking... And obviously he's a cat, so he's... he can land on his feet, but it's Nelson's column. He'll die. So it's like... It? No, they shaved it off in CG. Hey! Um, and then they sing and they all address... They point up toward the heavens in a shot just off Trafalgar Square that heavily highlights a big light sign that says Bovril, which made me piss myself out loud in the cinema. Bovril. Much to the chagrin of the uh, the elderly trio who was sat on the second row who were actually really loving the film. We, we kept our guffaws down to a minimum as much as we could because we could see that they were really loving it. And it was like, right, could, but that but as soon as it just was like, boom, Bovril. Bovril. I was like, like Bovril! Bovril. Pissed myself. And then Judy Dench addresses camera and gives the final song of the show, which is uh, where Deuteronomy basically addresses
0: the audience. Yeah, which how, the, how to address the naming of cats. Yeah, yeah
1: which is... You know, a good wrap up in the stage show because the actor and their massive fucking fur coat. You, it's usually a very, uh, very sort of heavy set, larger male actor who's got a very booming, like warm kind of voice. He yeah. comes forward and is essentially giving a sermon to the audience, saying, "Right now, you know a bit more about cats. Trees of respect. We're not fucking dogs. You know about our names. We're just like you. We just do it differently. We're not fucking
0: dogs, and we're not fucking dogs." But if you haven't bought the program yet. Buy it on the way out
1: for laters. Buy a programme. Or, or, or as it is nowadays, buy the programme and the souvenir book. Because now the programme is just printed at the theatre and has the that the their cast in it, yeah. local sponsors and yeah. some behind the scenes stuff in it. Yeah. And then the souvenir book, Is which is like the £10, which is, you know, it's, it's one of those where it's like you want to go in, you want, I kind of want the programme as a me- memento of going to see the show. I never buy programmes. I, see, I, I can't never anymore. buy program. I can't even because I'm like, but the the fan of the show in me is like, if I enjoyed the show afterwards, I might buy the souvenir book so I can have like a behind the scenes of the show and mm. the creation of it and whatnot. But it's just like, why? when did they become two separate things? Oh yeah, when theatres stop making money because they overcharge. Uh, so they're trying to find any way to claw back. Um, yeah. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. So, fuck, I can't believe that. What was it 200 thingy for Sunday in the Park? Jesus <clears> Christ. <throat> I'd love to see that. I don't, not for Gyllenhaal. I'd love to see I'd that I would see Gyllenhaal producers. And I've I think heard...
0: he would be fucking. He'd, he'd be a banger that slaps. Me. I've heard, I've heard him in the Broadway version, and it. it's fucking great. He's really good in it.
1: Let's uh, let's start uh, GoFundMe to get us one ticket for Sunday the Part with George. Motherfucker can sing. I'll tell you that. Motherfucker can sing. Um, um, so and but, but Tom Hooper decides to film it as Judy Dench dressing camera, but our three main characters are all next to her and not looking in, down the barrel of the camera. They're all looking at her. And occasionally and bless them, rubbing against bless her. Bless them. They're doing exactly what they should be doing in that scene. But normally on stage, you wouldn't see it because you'd be looking at everyone. Yeah. And they're just in shot. And they're trying their best. And props to them. But it looks fucking weird. Because there's only so many times they can sort of look at each other and go, yeah, yeah. Look! The there's only so many times you can do that in one shot. Th- Tom Hooper decides to do this, like, four-minute song in three close-ups and two cutaways during them. It's bad. It's fucking awful. Oh, and we the, the, also, the cats who were stolen away are there except when they're not because it depends on obviously when they've decided to composite them into the shot. <laughs> so like, you see Gus twice and you see Jenny Dots twice. I don't think you see uh, Buster, Buster Jones phone. beyond an establishing shot of him being like ha ha as he's back. And I don't think you see Skimbleshanks at all.
0: That's I do, a crime. I
1: do quite like the fact that No, they, he is there. Oh, is he there? Because
0: he's at the front of the the group of mar pointing up to the bottles. <laughs> ah, side.
1: well, that's because he uses the cat of the railway train. He'll yeah. be at the front, aren't he? He'll be at the front. Uh, I do like the fact that they defeat Growl Tiger ultimately because Gus does some acting and scares him. Scares him. It's <laughs> like, fair enough. Uh, um, do my acting. <laughs> so, uh, action. See in, see in, see in. Action. Growl Tiger fire for fiddle and cut! See him, see him, see him, see him. Um, that's probably his actual practice on set.
0: Yeah, and then the film mercifully fucking ends. But it, sh- it shouldn't. Like that naming of cats bit just drags it out. Like it should have ended with them all seeing and again, her off into the headside layer.
1: She's holding a character performance. She absolutely is. But it almost feels cruel to just be like, no, it's all on you now.
0: It almost feels cruel to make the audience sit through that song after everything that's just happened. Yeah, cats. Do we recommend it? No. Yes, if you are drunk, and it's on Netflix in the future. It's one of those films that's become. It's, it's <coughs> going to become a mainstay at like drunk midnight screenings for bad films. It is yeah. the room of film musicals. Yeah. Um,
1: People won't be throwing spoons. They'll be yelling
0: milk
1: at the screen. Throwing cat litter. Everyone will bring oh, everyone will bring chocolate mice and like eat the chocolate mice. Eat the chocolate mice, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're
0: starting the traditions
1: now. Let's do it now. <laughs> chocolate
0: cockroaches. <laughs> Actual cockroaches.
1: Can we can we refer to the screenings in a sort of code? So whenever they're billed at like cinemas yeah. or theatres, they're called uh, stack. Stack. Just, cat, just cats backwards. Stack. Join us for a midnight screening. We'll stack. You stack heads.
0: Stack heads. You stack um, heads. I think it's gonna become a tradition we've spent nearly as long I, as the running time of cats talking about cats mercifully
1: this is roughly how long it is and no more yeah it's, re- I it's. I don't think it cuts out any main songs no it doesn't but it does cut down on the arrangements between songs yes and certain dan- dance like sequences obviously like Victoria's full on ballet sequence from the show is incor- isn't it's, in incorporated it. it's incorporated into the incorporated. dance yeah um, but
0: um, it's <clears throat> it's one of those weird experiences where time just stops existing <laughs> When you're experiencing it, when you're watching it, when you're, when you're having it wash over you in all its digital fur goodness. Um, but the question is, should they have bothered trying to well, adapt Cats? That's the thing, because adaptations are adaptations. Adaptations are adaptations.
1: You can take liberties as long as you keep to the spirit of the original. Yeah. Um but sometimes adaptations happen where you go. What was, what was the point? Like, what was the point if you're going to deviate so much? Or I
0: don't. This does not work in this medium. Why are you trying? I don't think there's anything that's unadaptable. Oh no! Well, yeah. But but, the, but I think the end result can often be a case. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sat on a wooden chair, and I just got to that point where you know the lower part
1: of your back where it meets your ass gets really. achy. <laughs> uh,
0: that was a. That was a. That was a. Thing. I, just, just, I just, I just, I basically pulled a face. That was an expression you made. Um, <laughs> I loved it. Uh, I don't think anything is unadaptable, but I do think that <clears throat> there are some things that are difficult, if not nigh impossible, to be adapted well. Either, like you say, because of the transition between mediums, or mm. just because the story doesn't lend itself to a certain the the sort of cut down. Like, it that loses, you would it loses something in translation.
1: Yeah. A, an example is uh, the 2004 film, Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events.
0: Yeah, they crammed three books into one film. <clears throat> yeah.
1: Aesthetically, beautiful. Very reminiscent of the tone of the books and Brett Helquist's illustrations. But it, it was facing an uphill battle for two reasons. One, you can't adapt one of those books into a movie. You'd have to stretch it out like crazy. Yeah. If you did that, you'd also be doing 13 movies. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> so the only other way to do it is to do it as an, like, uh, uh, um, multiple chapters like that. So you yeah. do multiple books per film. But then the other uphill battle you're facing is your actors are going to age. Your young actors are going to age noticeably, very yeah, yeah. quickly. And as such, when the film the film grossed well, and it did well, but not as well as um, Paramount were hoping, because this was one of the many post-Harry Potter, quick, adapt every kid's book yeah. adaptations. And nearly all of them never went beyond maybe two films because they never grossed as much as Harry Potter. And the studios that put them out were always like, "Oh, well, that means we failed. Right, let's do something else."
0: Yeah. So it never got a sequel. And the same thing happened in the wake of Lord of the Rings. It was kind of at the same time. It was Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Lord, Lord of the Rings reintroduced sort of fantasy like yeah. crazy, yeah. and
1: that, that it was that marriage of that and the Harry Potter films doing so well that made everyone go, "Right, young adult novels yeah. and kids' books, let's do this." All which the is, fantasy ones. Let's which is how we got
0: the Golden Compass. Yeah. Which, which is, is bad. Yeah
1: but that's the thing with Lemmy Snicket it, it's not a terrible movie by any stretch of the imagination it's it's it makes some odd choices in its adaptation yeah. but then they were going to sequelize it a few years later there was talk of them actually doing the sequel but the sequel was going to be in stop motion to retain the feeling of of the books, again, that kind of odd quirky thing would have been interesting. And and then the plan was, people were like, so the rest of them going to be done that way? And then they went, no. They said the next adaptation, continuing the story, would be told in a different way on film as well. Mm. Reason, because this was how Lemony Snicket's, uh, presumably still would have been voiced by Jude Law, was getting the stories out there without being detected. Different adaptations. That's neat. That's neat. So it's like, okay, that's kind of cool. But that worked so much better... As a TV series on Netflix, yeah, yeah. Um, which worked, as an adaptation worked. Now, like you said, one that didn't work was The Golden Compass. Circumstances probably being because of the fact they were just like, quick, Harry Potter related or adjacent stuff. Get yeah. it out there into the world. Yeah, yeah. The Golden Compass film crams the first book and a half of his dark material. No, it's just
0: the first book. As far as I remember, they don't do any of the second book in there.
1: I'm sure they cram in half of the second because it, it, like, the end of the film is a cliffhanger that happens during the second book.
0: No, the end of the film is, is a cliffhanger in, that, the same, <laughs> that the book and the first series of the show end on with Lyra going through uh. the, the North Pole pool. But again, TV version suit so it much better. Yeah, and the TV version actually did something that some adaptations do for the worse. Yeah, and expanded it <coughs> by bringing in material from later books or, or material yeah. that is implied by later books and sort of fleshing things out, so nothing, co- so things don't come as come out of nowhere later. Um, but Ooh. then you compare that to something like The Hobbit, which was Ooh. grossly inflated. Oh geez, and it's bizarre because it comes from. A lot of the same people who made The Lord of the Rings so successful, Mm. which is a really great adaptation in terms of being smart about what you can and can't use from the books, what you need to focus on, where you need to shave things and move things around. Fuck off,
1: Tom Bombadil.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we don't want your kind here. Not even in Um, the extended version. No. Fuck right off. No, and
1: there's still a ton of stuff that they shave. We've gone off on our adventures. Let's spend 12 oh, days oh
0: getting high with this fucker in a cottage. That's that's the fucking the weirdness of the Lord of the Rings books, though, isn't it?
1: He um, gets referenced in the Hobbit films, though, if I remember correctly. They reference him. I think, I think Radagast's cottage is briefly mentioned to possibly be like Tom Bombadil's cottage, and he's just in it. Uh, like I remember um, there being a throwaway mention of him in the Hobbit movie, like, don't you fucking bring him into don't this. Don't you. You leave him out of this. <laughs> like if you ever um, read The Fellowship of the Rings, folks... As soon as the bombardil section starts, skip about 4 chapters. Yeah. And then carry on your adventure. Yeah. This is you will not weird. be missing anything. Um but yeah, but no the lobby one... they just add, they, the songs that are in verse in the book, they flesh them into actual songs yeah. and drag out the runtime. Yeah. They add action set pieces, they absorb some of the Silmarillion ideas into a
0: subplot. You don't need to drag out the the runtime because it's not a long book. You can just do it in one film. And that's the bad part about this adaptation. For many, that would
1: be the introduction to the story of The Hobbit. And they will go, What, those three really fucking dragged out movies? Yeah. No thanks. When instead, it could have been one three hour movie or two two and a bit hour movies. Yeah. And that would have been stretching the even. I think. That would have been stretching the even, but that was what uh, Guillermo del Toro was planning to that do. that was what the original
0: plan was. And it was yeah. after filming, they were like, Actually, no, we're we'll going to do three. So they'd shot enough footage to do like three. Two and a half hour films.
1: And that was the film that made allegedly made Ian McCry- a McKellen cry on set. Yeah, when he was filming some of the stuff for like the 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 for the material yeah. stuff. Where he was just on a green screen, just on a shitload just of green screen, wandering around, and he apparently like burst into tears. And Peter Jackson asked him if he's okay, and he went, "This is not why I wanted to become an actor." Yeah, and you're
0: like, "Oh my god!" I think Peter Jackson was also kind of fucking.
1: Look at him like, just before the Hobbit the production begins and look at him now. He fucking
0: aged He's that aged. film aged him. Yeah. Because yeah. he didn't
1: want to do it. And then watch Lindsay Ellis's three-part, oh, like, two two-part quote, amazing documentary on YouTube that is about it. Because you realise just how much these movies just shouldn't have happened. No, and, and I, the fact it, that they everyone, did has done,
0: has done more damage than anything. Yeah. Everyone involved was negatively affected by the production of these films. Apart from Peter Jackson and Andy Circus's extended families who work in the industry
1: because they did all the uh, second unit. Stuff. Well, yeah, they got some. They Andy, got and Andy
0: Serkis directed a
1: lot of the Hobbit movies. He directed yes. all the second unit stuff. Yeah, um, it's like <clears throat> Jesus. So he did okay. He did all right, and comes out of it unscathed because his one scene is the one scene we're like, yeah, that's really good.
0: Oh yeah, that's the, the, the scene the, from the book. Well, that's the bit that people wanted to see. People didn't want to see the whole of the Hobbit on screen. They just wanted to see Riddles in the Dark. I wanted to see four scenes from the book that yep. I loved: uh, Riddles
1: in the Dark, yeah, uh, the Mirkwood spiders, yeah, uh, the the trolls, uh, uh, the campfire, yeah, and the first conversation with Smout. Yeah, I got them all in the first two films. As a result, I didn't bother going to see the third in the theatre. I didn't see the second or third in the theatre. two years later on Netflix.
0: I only watched... In the, three sittings. I only watched... The first one Put left such a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> I only saw the second and third ones. Yeah. On Netflix. Yeah. I didn't bother. Yeah, I don't blame And you. even then, I think I, I didn't watch them in one sitting. No, oh God, no. Like, How'd you I, do that to yourself? I just like... No, not not together. Like, even <clears throat> just one at a time, I didn't watch them in one sitting.
1: Lucy, Yeah, no, same. I don't It's just... Lucy's such a huge fan of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. She fucking loves it. She will, if she's having a bad day, if she's having a rainy day, really sick, ill day, her first port of call is the extended edition of Fellowship. That Lord of the Rings
0: trilogy is so good.
1: It's so good. And she sticks it in and there off she goes. She's happy as Larry. Um, she's been debating for the last two years about, do, do, should we get The Hobbit? And I'm like, no. Do you really want to watch it again? And she went, no, but like it's part of that comfort blanket. And I went, you could spend the time watching The Hobbit, watching Fellowship again.
0: Yeah. You couldn't pay me to buy The Hobbit. Fuck no. Quoth the Raven? Fuck Poe. Fuck no. You couldn't Um, couldn't pay me to watch those films. All the adaptations Mm, that don't work.
1: Watchmen for years was referred to as the unadaptable book. And it's not. It's not, but...
0: Because I still believe there's no...
1: Snyder's film's pretty great. It's As its own thing. It's pretty good. But it does lose a lot of why Watchmen is entertaining. The same way the animated adaptation of Dark Knight Returns yeah. loses so much of why the original book is as effective as it is, um, because just in the translation to the different medium, certain things have to and go. It, but
0: I don't think it's that. I don't think it's even that. It it's because of the translation to the different medium. I think it's just the way that they were translated, particularly yeah. with, oh, yeah. with Watchmen. It. Because it tries to be so faithful, it becomes faithful to a fault. Yes. And, yeah, come, lo- and yeah. loses the power of what happens in there because they're just trying to recreate panels from the book.
1: But add to that the fact that maybe the smart choice for that was the one that happened last year, which is you don't adapt it. You just do you it. You complement it. That's the best way to do it and to, and to bring in... That world because I had no expectations for that series. No, oh, you didn't, and you, it was like you watched that first me. episode. I think you this texted me. You said, great. "Have you watched Watchmen?" I was like, "No." You are like it's fucking
0: brilliant. Yeah, it's really like, good. Applause. It's really good,
1: and I love the fact that they've kind of come out now saying like, "Yeah, it's probably not going to have a second series." So yeah, because Lindelof do not want to do it. He's Lidlough not doing want to do it, and you know HBO will want to do it because they want they're like, "But Game of Thrones, us, we need more yeah, stuff." Yeah. But it's like, no, like if he doesn't want to do it, don't force something into existence. For the same reason that because of all the shit shit. Throwing and chicanery that's going to be on the scenes of American Gods. I'm happy. I just watched series one.
0: Yeah, well, I watched the first three (coughs) episodes of series two and was like, I can't. And now the apparent racism
1: behind the scenes of the heads of the show. Yeah, you know about all that stuff, don't you? Yeah, fucking ridiculous. It's fucking so. um, But other adaptations that like, like cats didn't work or were questionable. Um, You've got a list. I brought up. I brought up got got a list.
0: Oh, this is the Buzzfeed article?
1: Dark Tower, fucking hell! Oh yeah. So, so yeah. Again, oh my god.
0: Unadaptable series. Dark Tower is like this enormous seven-volume Stephen King story. Yeah. Um, it's like his sort of. It's his Lord of the Rings, basically, and it's been different adaptations have been bounced around. There's been TV adaptations. There's been movie adaptations planned and developed. There's been a hybrid of, of TV and movie stuff, um, but what we eventually caught uh, it was what 2014, no 2016, I think. It mm, or was 2017. Let me let me. Oh wait, hang on. Dark Tower. Dark Tower. 2017. 2017.
1: Now be 2018. Oh my god, has it fucked up the timeline that up much? The timeline
0: because I don't know what what day it is. Right, I'm gonna have to look. But it. either way, we got. 2017? Yeah, 2017. Oh, it was
1: nearly three years ago that we sat through that.
0: We got Idris Elba. Fucking hell. And Matthew McConaughey sort of... Doing, Trying their best. Doing a sort of young, adult-ish version of... sort of, but not quite the first book, but also elements from later books. And you know what? We're not actually going to adapt to any of the narrative of the books. We're just going to take the concept and run with it, which could work. Hmm. Oh yeah. But at every level of its execution it was just poor it was just done wrong. It just did it wrong. <coughs> and it was not interesting or good in any way. It just wasn't captivating. It wasn't it didn't build a world in the way that you need to. And you'd read the first book and you're like, you can absolutely just adapt this as it is. Hmm. Like, just trim it down a little bit and streamline it, and you just you've got a fucking you've got a narrative there because and it, you've got a strong propulsive narrative because you've got Roland chasing the man in black across the desert That's, that is your whole narrative and when he catches him and they have their, their, um, their, camp, their campfire sort of um, discussion, it then leaves Roland in a very different place going into the rest of the story, so that sets up the, the rest of the film the rest of the series but they just made it nonsense and turned it into a young adult um, sort of sort of story which doesn't really fit but um,
1: hey look, references to other stories references to other stories you like it now
0: guys, right? and there is there is the mechanic built in for that to be possible within the Dark Tower story and it still be part of the story but just didn't do it in an interesting way mm. they adapted something and made a bad film out of it it's not that it can't be ad- adapted or even that they adapted it wrong or they just made a bad film
1: do you know what adaptation completely misses the point of its source material so much so that you look at it and you go no not only should this not have been adapted I don't think it could have been What's that? at least in today's day and age the Lorax the Lorax is the Dr. Seuss oh, book. Oh, I didn't see that. it's the Dr. Seuss book about basically uh, I'm familiar uh, with The
0: Lorax but I didn't see the film.
1: Yeah, there's this in a world where like trees are fucked and it's all gone to shit. Yeah, this person yeah. talks to a mysterious figure who says to them like this is what happened to the world and and basically people started cutting down the trees and using them, you know, in industrial uh, stuff and, and Wasting them and all this, that, and then there's no, and sort of the suggestions of like recycling being a thing that people laughed at and all this, that, and the other and la la la. Mm. And this little creature called the Lorax, who's like kind of the spirit, it's this little orange fuzzy thing, who's like the spirit of nature and everything, He's trying to keep everything in balance. And no one listens to them, and the world gets fucked up. So the moral of the story is: Hey, kids, don't let that happen. Yeah. You. The movie adaptation is basically that, but it's the usual Doctor zeus treatment of when they do a Doctor Zeus adaptation, they have like four other plots. And they stretch it out to a minimum of an hour and a half. Even though Dr. Seuss' book could be read in one sitting in ten minutes.
0: Um, That's the point of it. Yeah. Uh, You do a series of shots. You don't do a Philip Fusilow film.
1: The moral's in there. It's still there. But the film, which is an adaptation of a book that's basically about looking after Earth. And not like putting commercial game in front of the world around you looking out for the world around you. Yeah. Had tie-in adverts with car dealerships. Okay. Holiday resorts. Sure. And more merchandise than you could shake a dead tree stump at. Like, yeah. it was on everything in America. Seems it like... Out. It was everywhere. There are, like... E.T. Landfill's worth of merch left over from that film like there are for most kids' films of the 90s and 2000s. Yeah. Where the boom of toys and that in the 70s and 80s has put it in the heads of execs that we have to oversupply with merchandise. Yeah. Because it will all sell.
0: And it never does. it never
1: does. Like, even in modern times, like, I was in The Entertainer yesterday in Manchester. They have hundreds of Last Jedi and solo action figures.
0: Yeah. Hundreds of them. I mean, I, that also speaks to the... Mm-hmm. I, I, that's not even just...
1: And only like one Rise of Skywalker character. So they're, they're wow. out there, but there's not many of them. The, the, like it seems like this time Disney have gone, let's wait until after the film comes out. and I, then I, release I, the think, just, I like, think that's mostly just the
0: entertainer. I was, the, I was in the Disney to,
1: store, and the only Rise of Skywalker merch they had was like uh,
0: Dio stuff. Yeah, the entertainer can't seem to shift anything. Like they just have stuff sitting on their shelves for years it's cause because they always have the weirdest stuff as well they, always, they, don't, have,
1: they don't have the best if they drop the Star Wars finger price I'm not even kidding to just like a quid each
0: oh yeah they keep the price way up as well yeah.
1: at the minute there's a range of them some are ten some are six quid and some are three quid yeah, they keep the like price if they, up if they way drop, if way they drop the latest stuff to one pound each I guarantee even I would go oh fuck it and I'd go in and I'd be like right I'll have a Kylo I'll have a Snoke I'll have a Ray I'll have a Jinnah. so fuck it I'm taking them home like, because <clears throat> they're in, it's the one a lot of the ones they've got at the minute are the old school packaging style. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, I'd love to have a couple of them. But I'm not shelling out six quid for them. A quid, sure, absolutely. Um. Uh, though I did come home yesterday with a Disney Infinity toy box figure of Doctor Strange, who'd been reduced to two pound ten in clearance. Oh yeah. And yeah. At the moment I tried to move his legs to pose him, the legs snapped off. That's why it's been reduced. That's why it's been reduced, because it must have been a common problem with yeah. this figure. So I hot, gl- hot glued that shit back on, and now he stood on the shelf, and I'm like, anyone oh, moves him? Never move him never again. Never grab his legs.
0: <laughs> Dear God. Never move him again. Um,
1: but hey, do you know what is a, a, a least, I can't believe I'm saying this, a least less egregious cat's makeup than cats? I
0: don't know what you're going to say, but I don't want to say it. Hat. Whoa, Which is God. a terrible
1: adaptation, but you look at him and you go, yeah, that's a cat. It's definitely a cat. There's a recurring gag in that film. It's just horrifying, isn't it? Where he keeps it? mentioning Universal Studios Resort. Why? Do you think they're going to do a Cats in the Hat promotional tie-in when the Blu-ray comes Cats out? in the
0: Hats! Do, do you think there's going to be a Cat in the Hat and Macavity team-up movie called The Cats in Hats? <coughs> I teleport
1: sometimes. I am seemingly also magic. <laughs> Let's babysit children.
0: Bring Mike Myers. I'm six the... and a
1: half foot tall. Can you imagine? I'm one and a half foot tall, or maybe three foot tall. Can you imagine a buddy comedy
0: starring Mike Myers as the cat in the hat and Idris Elba as Macavity? Can you imagine those two actors bouncing off each other? I can now. It'd I be horrible. I don't think it would work in any way. No, it
1: wouldn't. I will pay top dollar. <laughs> I will to pay you lots of the monies. Take all of Fry's Take them money. Take all. Take all um, fries money, internet, and make it be.
0: Do you remember in the early two thousands when um, they kept getting quote unquote comedy actors to revive like middling seventies and eighties American TV shows? For example, like the, uh, the show <clears throat> William Scott Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. Uh, the the Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson. Starsky and Hutch, Huch. yeah, fucking hell. They were great, weren't they? <gasps> oh they were great adaptations. God.
1: Um, fucking um, oh god, what was the bull feral one? Land of the Lost. Land, yes, that was it. Again, that was another one.
0: Um, are there any others that spring to mind? Oh, they did get smart with um, Steve Carell. That's not bad actually. Get smart's okay, because that's an early um, that's an early Dwayne Johnson joint as well.
1: Get smart. God fuck that as well. Mm. Get smart. Get smart's, Sm- smart's alright
0: though. I like get smart. Well, it's
1: it's it's one of those where it's like is Steve Carell.
0: It's Steve Carell. It's one, Anne of, Hathaway. it's one of
1: those where like the film doesn't get the spirit of the original it's very modern yeah but the original source material wasn't a bad one to dip into because it was a Mel Brooks produced TV series yes yeah 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 so it's like okay
0: so you can actually kind of update it whereas the other they updated that for a modern audience whereas the other ones were period pieces so that really didn't work um I just particularly some stuff needs to be left alone
1: could cats have worked I think I think as an, an animation, a an, an hand-drawn could yeah, yeah. animation, yeah, could have made for a visually interesting take. Yes, but like Fantasia, but with cats. It's literally just like it's we're just do a series stuff of songs, and it's a series of songs. Try to
0: give it a plot. Ooh, trying Try to give it a plot. Doesn't work. I don't think nil twice. Um, and yeah, that's 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 what we think about cats and adaptations. Let's do a quick email before we sign off for the yeah. week. Um, because we got a little missive from one of our overseas fans. This comes in from Jack. And um Jack says, uh Hi, Big Damn lads. I'm Jack, and I'm here to discuss the hot mess that was the rise of Skywalker. Was it? Yes. You pretty much summed it up for me when you talked about it. It retconned everything from the Last Jedi that I loved. It was fun being along for the ride, but as you said, once you stop to think about it, it falls apart. Not only is it, it in itself is it messy, but it also makes this whole trilogy even more messy to the point where I don't think I can even consider it a trilogy anymore. Also, you mentioned how surprised you were that you had Australian listeners. Well, good day mates. Hey, I'm not doing the accent. I'm not doing the accent. I will um, I won't, I won't. <laughs> don't know about others but I discovered you through Chris being on 5 Who fans there we go oh nice uh, keep on making your wonderful big damn content and cheers oh bless so thanks. thanks Jack thanks for getting in touch nice to know that we've got some um, that we do in fact have some real people in Australia that listen and I hope you're okay by the way because fuck fire, yeah, oh, the fires hell. are awful so I hope you're not being too um to adversely affected by that. Oh,
1: we we're in a safe place, for my yeah. sake. Because uh, <laughs> um, it's rough. Yeah. And, uh... uh, uh, uh look Doctor who thoughts? I really enjoyed Nikola Tesla's Night oh, of Terror. Oh, Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror, yeah. that it's was good. It was good. It was really good. It, it, it... Was, it was fun and stupid. and We'll
0: no doubt have more detailed thoughts when people writing about it.
1: What I um... loved was, on Twitter, there was a big reaction from slightly older folk going like, and Ryan and Graham not knowing who Tesla was. Discussed. Who doesn't fucking know Nikola Tesla is?
0: Lots of people. Lots
1: of people, because it's only in recent years has he been highlighted more. Yeah. Also, he's mostly taught in America because America dipped more into like Edison yeah. in their history and science lessons than the UK syllabus does. Uh, and also, shut the fuck up. You only know who he is because you watched that epic rap battles of history video a couple years ago. <laughs> Internet. Uh,
0: no, Tesla. Tesla's been a thing in like sci-fi and stuff for a while, and like alternate history stuff. And he, he, Tesla, if you're into genre stuff, I can absolutely see you knowing who Tesla is. One of my favorite,
1: one. one of my favorite uses of him, weirdly, in recent films is the Sorcerer's Apprentice, the the Nick okay. Cage film, because the, the Tesla coils are like a big part of the technology in that. And there's that brilliant sequence where Jay Baruchel. Um, essentially is like kind of showing off to the girl in it a bit and he like programs stuff into it so it starts doing Tesla stuff to a song like the will oh, yeah, start yeah, making yeah. The, and it's like this is cool I hope the film doesn't fuck this up and then Amazing Spider-Man 2 does it see see Spider with yeah. it um, and it's a really so it's one of the scenes If you go oh I remember this what this about, is really cool
0: what about David Bowie in The Prestige
1: <laughs> of course wait is he, he is Tesla yeah 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 fuck i have forgotten about that yeah. <gasps> yes.
0: That's Oh, yes that's pretty great oh oh it's good Um, mind you I think the guy in Doctor Who this week was fucking uh, good really good performance everyone was good good at this fucking good shout out
1: to Anjali dressed as a scorpion it was a really good quality solid
0: episode I enjoyed it I enjoyed it and a great title I think Hmm. it was the first written and directed by a woman as well Uh,
1: I think it's the first of the modern era to be written and directed simultaneously
0: by uh, by ladies Uh, I think there was a couple in the classic run that were though uh, I think the only there were a couple that were written by women. But I don't think any were directed by women.
1: Hmm. If it's a first person, that's pretty cool. And also, yeah. fucking took a while.
0: Well. Yes. Um, oh no, the, took took the show a while to do that. Maybe I think did did a woman direct Enlightenment? I could be wrong. Correct us if we're wrong, please. Um, um, but yeah, no, it was really it was, it was good. It was good, and I
1: think if I remember correctly, the same director she's on next week's. Okay. Which is written by the person who wrote *Demons of the Punjab*. oh Okay. Which has got me intrigued, because I'm like, so that was a really, you know, like, well-crafted story. At the time, I didn't appreciate it as much, because I was a bit sick of there being no threats. I yeah. was like, no, I want, some, I want some monsters, I want some baddies. Um, but on reflection, like, and I've watched it on its own since, it's great. Like, teaches a lot of kids, and, and even myself, about the partition, something we don't really study over here yeah, it, yeah. in high school. Um, so that was cool, and I like the idea that kids are going to, like, learn more about it now. The human drama of it was fucking excellent. Like, it's great. Doom is the Punjab is fantastic. It's a really kind of heavy, um, sort of deep historical with a lot of human drama in it. Yeah. I love the fact that their next script, they've gone, can I write one with the space rhinos? <laughs> so that, that alone has me really intrigued. Because yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh my God, are they just going to let their freak flag fly this week? Please, and write please a do. big? Because it's called Fugitive of the Jadoon.
0: It please tell it, me that's fugitive spelled with a J. No, unfortunately. That would be um, great. two
1: cool facts. It's the third um, Jadoon-centric piece of television, because we've got Smith & Jones, yeah. and then the Sarah Jane story, *Prisoners Prison of the, of the Jadoon, Jadoon, which is fucking great, because Liz Slayton gets to play a villain. yeah, And uh, also um, there's a bit where like it's driving a car, like with Clyde and Rani, Yes. And it yes. pulls up against the Teenagers who are blasting the music line out of the thing, and it basically just tells them to lower the stereo sound. <laughs> And they're just looking baffled. It pulls its gun out and it sort of times it, like gives them a countdown. Yeah. They stop. It hands them a ticket and drives. <laughs> You're like, what the
0: fuck just happened? That's pretty good.
1: So good. Um, but good. also, the captain of the Jadun, the the Mohawked one that we've seen in the publicity stuff. Yeah. Uh, has been named I don't know if they're named in the episode if they were it would have been in the dub oh yeah I saw this yeah 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 um, after after Paul Condon a uh, massive Doctor Who fan guy who helped out with a shitload of source material stuff over the years like mm. worked on some of the books and everything worked with Big Finish um, I got to know him a bit he was a lovely guy he passed away unfortunately last year after a very sort of brief spate of illness um he's like beloved by sort of the Doctor Who fan community and, and the, those fans who work in the peripheral of working on the project yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely beloved guy. Uh, and in his honour, the Jadun captain has been named Paul Condon. <laughs> so I don't know if that's named in the episode or if it's just in the credits. That'd be sweet. But I love the fact that they've done that. That is so cool. Paul yeah. Condon. <laughs>
0: Paul Condon. You can just imagine a uh, space rhino. You would like have fucking love that. It would be lovely.
1: Uh, great. Um, so that is awesome. Um, yeah. I hope it's good. Uh, I really enjoyed Demons of, the, Demons of the Punjab. I did enjoy Demons of the, Demons of the Punjab. I really enjoyed *Nickel Tesla's Night of Terror. Yeah. Um, Such
0: a fucking good title, man.
1: What do you guys think? Are you enjoying Doctor Who? And have you seen Cats? The Horror? We must know. Big Damn Cast uh, on Twitter, of course. Big Damn Stream on the Twitch with a Big Damn Channel on the YouTubes and you can support the show directly and get a bunch of bonus stuff at patreon.com slash big damn if you can't support us financially hey give us a follow if you haven't already spread the word about the patreon who knows you may accidentally spread the word to daddy warbucks for the <laughs> annie remake <laughs> uh, and if jamie fox wants to support the show i'm all for
0: oh.
1: the itsy it's, it's spider
0: oh no we're not doing that, I'm no, that we're not doing that <laughs>